You like the stash? Uh, I, hold on, let me see it. <laughs> Real white trashy. I would say white flashy. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I think it looks good. I got it. I took my picture at the Secretary of State, and I saw it, and I didn't have, like, all right, let's redo it in me, mm -hmm. but I definitely thought it. Well, uh, I always encourage people who want to have just a mustache to have a mustache. Yeah. Because... You just have to do it. Well, yeah. Well, that's what I rocked for a while. Now I just have, like, the beard beard and mustache mm -hmm. combo. Yeah. Um, but I think... I yeah, I, I think sometimes I miss having just the mustache. Uh, well, I mean, what and then, you mean like, you miss it? Like you could easily just—it's not like it's gone. Well, I know, but like, if you miss it, you could just do the, and then you have it. Me, me being a person of no hair on the top, uh, I feel like I look better with <laughs> a beard and a mustache than real, just the mustache. Uh, real Stanley Tooch vibes from the winter bones going. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Real uh, real Walter White season three <laughs> going well, on. That's not that bad, though. I'd take Walter White over Tooch. Yeah, yeah. Neither of them I'd want to have a beer with, but... Uh, no, probably not. Maybe Stanley Tucci as just like a person. Oh, oh, not from the Lovely Bones. No. Okay. Probably not. I haven't seen that movie. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, you'll laugh really hard and then you'll be like, "Oh, Max an asshole when you see it." Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, I always get that movie mixed up with Winter's Bone, which I have seen. Yes. Oh, you have. Mm -hmm. I have not. Okay. Wow. Oh, two two bone movies uh that we each <laughs> need to watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of these days. Get a bone in you. Yeah. Ooh, new shirt. Um, so I guess I'll intro now. Okay. Uh, hi everyone. Welcome to the nineteenth episode of the Neon Crew podcast. My name is Kyle, and I'm getting comfortable. Yes, you are. Uh, comfortable in that sweet, sweet shirt that you've got. It's a nice one, isn't it? It's like a two tone, like light blue on top, dark blue on bottom. It's going well with those uh, like khaki shorts that you got on. It got everything. It was a good. It was a good dress day. I just wish I had it going with the stash. Are you able to dress like that at work? Yes. That is pretty nice. I, yeah. I pictured you like having to dress a little more formally for some reason. Mm -mm. No, nope, like, they uh, really just everything's laid back. Like you go into an office and you like have the tie and the dress pants. Right. And like everything. you think of like an IRS guy. Yeah. And you're like that's what Mac has to wear. Mm -hmm. Minus a pocket protector. Yeah. I think it helps that you already kind of look a little nerdy. Yeah. But that's just mostly the glasses. I think so. And I'm only saying that because you're like the most jock person that I know. Well, wait till you meet uh, my brother. <laughs> Your brother, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a lot of fun. I can't wait. Oh, yeah. Um, it's going to be, yeah. A, mm -hmm. lot of, a lot of testosterone in one room. Okay. Uh I'm, it, you know, it's it's gonna be you and your brother, so it's probably just gonna be the two of you talking to each other for the most it part. It really will just be, and hopefully, no arguments, you know, flare up or anything gets brought up. If they do, though, good content. Oh, yeah, hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. So, um, you and I saw a few movies. Oh my! Um, have we ever? Yes, yes. Have we ever did done <laughs> saw the movie? Anyway, um. So we went to the theater and we saw The Northman. Mm -hmm. And uh, do you want to talk about that first before we get into the, the Blade Runners? The Blade Runners. Yeah, absolutely. Sweet. Because um, we saw this probably like what a week ago in theaters. Yeah, I think so. And it's not as fresh as Blade Runner for me. So we'll just get Agreed. this 
get this out of the way, uh, get our thoughts get out this there. out of the way, yeah. Just, <laughs> just toss it, discard it to the side. Yeah, yeah. We're done with this one. Bring out the meal, hurry up, we'll eat it and ditch it. Yeah, the Northman is like the appetizer, right? The Blade Runner is the main course, even though it's, uh, I will say... I'm not going to, yeah. I will say uh, I really liked The Northman a lot. It's um, a good film. Yeah. And I, I went and saw it twice. While watching it, I was like, I can see Kyle really liking this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you've had that thought more than once uh, while, while watching it. I think films. I'm pretty spot on when I, and I, when I like when it pops into my head, it's really story driven and it's not too allegorical or like metaphorical, you know. And I it's, think it's yeah, it's I think that's a good like a folktale, like mm-hmm. what this is kind of based off of, right? Yeah, it's a good folk folklore folktale, and I think those now that they are rich with metaphors buried in them, but it's not like they're it's not a giant fucking metaphor. You yeah, know? there's things it's pretty that, straightforward. Yeah, and it's what the hero kind of learns as he's going through the journey and things that can help him out. It's a very like bare bones kind of hero's journey type story. So uh, I guess I can uh, summarize the movie before we dive deep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this film is uh, directed by Robert Eggers, who mm-hmm. uh, also directed The Witch and The Lighthouse, um, which were kind of more like smaller budget indie films. Uh, this one had a budget of, I think it said anywhere between seventy million and ninety million dollars. Yeah, I think it was sixty-five, and they actually had to bump it up. Mm, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, um, they got the they got it. They got a you had to get you had to get a couple consultants on the on the on site. Yeah. Uh, so this film is basically uh, it, it's the story that Hamlet is based off of. Um, obviously reworked and adapted to a modern cinema screen, which is kind of fun. I didn't. I was, you know, obviously I try to read when I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so the when I'm willing, able. Yeah, when, no one, when there isn't a gun, there doesn't have to be a gun next to my head. Mm, but um, it helps. <laughs> well, if that's the case, it's not always remembered. Mm. <laughs> um, no. So Am Amlet Amlet Amleth. Am- Amleth. So yeah. that's what I was trying to say. They either said they really pronounce their THs like thunder, mm-hmm. or they pronounce it like, and then the other way it was like the. So maybe that is a hard TH. Yeah, it, it varied throughout the film. Yeah. Because at one point, a character said his name, and I literally thought they said Hamlet, it's, which obviously is kind of purposeful, I feel like. Well, it's... It's funny because if you do the anagram, yeah. all you have to literally uh, do is take the H. It put it at the front, <laughs> and then it's Hamlet. Yeah. I was like, wow, Shakespeare. B- bravo, Shakespeare. You're really trying hard. <laughs> uh, oh, he didn't He didn't steal it. He didn't steal it. There's no... There was Creative no, liberties. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. what yeah. we use. That fucker was like, you know what? Who's going to really know? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone. Yeah. Everyone who went to see this film. Couldn't fucking anticipate the internet, you fucking bitch. Yeah, yeah. A good old Billy. Didn't see that coming. Um, so this film is uh, a very like Viking heavy aesthetic um, film set in, I think, uh, what was it? Like Nine, 914? It was like 874? It was like 895 AD, I think, was like the opening year. Was it after before after death it was after it was, death. it was ad um because they mentioned christianity in the film at some point yeah and eggers would not do that mm-hmm. uh, unless it, it had a purpose yeah uh, i found out a lot about that guy <laughs> uh 
So um, this film is about a character named Amleth, who as a boy, uh, his father reigns king over their uh, land of the Vikings. And uh, it's a basically kind of like a Hamlet story where his father is murdered by his uncle. And then uh, he has to go into hiding. And then uh, years <laughs> later, when Amleth grows up and is an adult, uh, he finds out where his uncle is. And he sets out to... Vienna. Uh, yes, he sets out to save his mother and kill his father's uh, murderer, pretty much. Vienna. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's pretty much the plot. Like I said, it's very straightforward, very simple kind of mm-hmm. revenge story, which I think yeah. is a big reason why I like this film. Really? Yeah. Revenge aspect. I'm a sucker for it. Um, I think so. I was about I, to say, I'm looking at a poster right now that has that feel. Yeah, uh, the John Wick Chapter 3 poster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got that for free. I don't know if I ever told you that story. <laughs> I uh, I knew someone who whose friend worked at a movie theater, and this person knew that I liked John Wick a lot. And so he was like, hey, man, uh, I have a friend who works at a movie theater. Uh, he, he said uh, he can give me a John Wick poster to give you. I'm like, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> so, yeah, that'd be disrespect- or cur- not courteous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hiding out on me. Jeez. But it's a legit movie theater sized poster like it, it's it's pretty big i would say how how big would you say that is like mm, four feet pretty big in height yeah four feet like two and a half feet wide I probably. i'm looking at his eyes when i stand up yeah yeah uh it, it's it's a big boy it's a big in yeah it's not like a it's not like a magazine poster that you had to like f- unfold and rip out of the pages you know super cool but mm. yeah no 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 it looks good yeah colorful very uh, so yeah, I'm a sucker for revenge films. John Wick, The Revenant, Old Boy, mm. and now this movie. Mm. Um, so what did you think of this film? What well, are we already doing the grades? I thought we were gonna talk about it. Well, we are talking. Oh. about it. I'm just asking, like, whether you liked it or not. Uh, whether you fancied it. Uh, yeah, we'll do positives and negatives. Okay. Uh, yes, I did. I appreciated this film quite a bit. Um. Have you seen Robert Eggers' other films? I've seen The Witch. Okay. Which I, I like I said, I, I, The Lighthouse is on something. I've seen it. It's like Hulu or Netflix I, right now. I think it's on Prime. Or at least it was. It might be on Prime, free. but it's on something that I, I can access. Okay. So Because it keeps popping up, and I think it's Hulu. Gotcha. Um, I saw The Witch. I think The Witch I'd have to rewatch again. Anna Taylor-Joy, shout out. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so I'm I I I know that he dabbles a little bit in um his 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 natural environments and really he likes to be authentic. One of the things I read today was that if he makes a, a movie, he, it will not be titled a movie but a film. Mm. It is a film. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason why it's crafted as such. Yes. Uh so no, I I loved I, I shouldn't say loved. I really like the authenticity. Um just reading about it today. And going through some of the stuff that he put in there and made sure that he had like little notes or like his is is owed to what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, for that aspect, it was fantastic. It's beautifully shot. It's very it's a very gorgeous film. I think that's a very consistent um quality throughout oh my God, all yeah. three of his films. Um because I've watched both The Witch and The Lighthouse. Um The Lighthouse is probably my favorite out of the three still. Mm-hmm. Um this would probably take second place for me and then the witch would probably be my third favorite but they're all consistently good in my opinion right. um so yeah 
the the style of filmmaking, the cinematography, I think is like super consistently good. I think in this film in particular, you can kind of tell that it's a higher budget film. There's a lot more effects and there's a lot more changes of scenery you know the witch and the lighthouse they take place in one central location whereas this film sees the characters going through all sorts of different terrain yeah there's definitely more scenarios in different places that they're involved with and just to have the production value the way it is i mean it was Mm -hmm. you know i mean in terms of the the style the clothing that the, the the slaves were wearing that the the guys were wearing i mean just changes of islands and mm -hmm. Yeah, not yeah. just in terms of cinematography, but yeah, costume design too. Oh my god, dude! I mean, any everything. Yeah, like even I mean, he had to climb up on like some freaking straw huts. <laughs> yeah, just the design of the like, just the time period that it was in. I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. um, that was very striking. Also, another quality too uh, about his films that's pretty common is the language that he uses. Um, well, yeah, pretty much for the this movie, especially. But I don't know if I could do their accent. That's it's it's basically so. I we'll get to it. Yeah, yeah. I, I play uh, I play Skyrim quite a bit. Sure. And the voice acting in that game is very similar to what the actors in this movie sound like a lot of That's times. That's what I'm like. Is is Nordic out, or is I mean, like, can't you do like a Scandinavian poll, or is it just? I think uh, I think what they got, what they went for, was like just general Viking <laughs> accent, uh, kind of like a Nordic sort of Swedish almost. So I'm pretty sort of sure, like thing. Olga, who was Anna Taylor Joy, she was Russian, from what I was reading today. Or they wanted, they were portraying her as being Russian. Now they might have been giving her a slight, saying that's what her accent sounded like, mm -hmm. but I don't really. I'm not gonna. Yeah, we'll get to it. We'll not. Well, we won't speculate. But so this movie and his previous two films were very heavy on sort of like that almost authentic language aspect, where the witch was in very like old English, mm -hmm. and you had a hard time understanding what they were saying. Um, the lighthouse was kind of the same way with like that sort of 1800s New England way of speaking. He'll take the period in which it's been crafted and hit the the language will assimilate yes exactly yeah. this movie i feel like was a little more accessible um in terms of language like i didn't have really a hard time no, like and i was kind of nervous about that too when they started you know they throw those wooden sticks at you and it says iceland and yeah you're like oh boy <laughs> the the titles the title screen oh my god and i loved it i, I thought it those was were awesome. awesome yes Absolutely. like a hundred percent i was I like this is those. sick I <laughs> but then i'm like all right how thick are we going with these accents? Because I don't have subtitles. Right. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. I'm a subtitle bitch. I need them. I need them. <laughs> and I, all I was like thinking, I was like, when we get going on that, I was like, I'm going to get lost. This is going to be like train spotting all over again. I'm going to pay fucking $24 here. And it's just, you know, mm -hmm. like I'm not going to understand what they're talking about. Yeah. It's not the case. going to be a tough time, but it, it really wasn't for me. Um, I, I really didn't have an issue understanding that. Actually, I think the only hard time I think I had understanding were the names. Yeah. A few of them, yeah. Um, especially sometimes when they would pronounce Amleth's name like Amlet or Hamlet. Yeah. Uh, just kind of inconsistently throughout, but I feel like that was just more so like how certain characters were speaking versus just the directing Amlet. itself. The Amlet. Am Amlet. Amleth. Hamlet. See, that's what I'm saying. Like they said, I don't know. We'd have to look it up. It was weird because I was say they said it's not like how you say thunder, but the. And I'm like, and then I just say it now, and I'm like. Mm -hmm. They both sound the same, don't they? <laughs> you go, duh. 
Like is a hard th the amlet 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 and so then you got the soft th amlet 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 hamlet hamlet hamburger fucking shakespeare shakespeare just bastardizing the story so yeah when i when i saw this movie i didn't i knew that it was like okay this is based off hamlet i didn't know that hamlet was based off this old story like this yeah, old so Viking yeah, I think story. it's called like is it called like Amleth the Prince? Um, or it was some It was something. Let me let me look it up and verify. Yeah, I was I, I read up a little bit on it and there are some liberties taken different from f- the folklore to what we saw. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, no, like one of the things I think is the uncle's name in it was named Fang, not Vianer. Fjolnir. 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 Mm-hmm. I will. Uh, I will avenge you, father. I will save you, mother. I will kill you, Fjolnir. <laughs> I love it. It's <laughs> such a. Yeah, it is a very, uh, very folklory type of thing. Uh, yes. Just to repeat. So, oh dang! I clicked the legend uh, link on the Wikipedia because I thought it would bring me to the actual legend. Probably but to the Wikipedia legend it, it, link. It brought me to the definition of what legend is on oh. Wikipedia. Dope, dude. Yes. What do you got for us? My name dropping in there? <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> okay, here we go. Amleth. Um, so there's Saxo's version. Um, Grammaticus. Mm-hmm. Right? It's uh, Gervendil. Is okay. Never mind. That's one of the names of the characters. Yeah. I think it's just it just says it's Saxo's version. Uh, yeah. So I it think might just got- be. I think it might just be called Amleth. And okay. then there's a, one called the Chronican Lethrens, um, which came out after that. And then there are Icelandic versions, which mm. I think uh, kind of like inspire or were inspired by like Beowulf or something like that. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, very folklore type of movie. And it shows in like the story and the production and just yeah. like the whole like mythos behind everything, like the way he has to find the sword and Love that. That's actually my favorite scene. That is a really good scene. Yeah. Um, when this movie was going on, I couldn't really like gauge whether or not it was gonna like dip into the fantastical elements of it. And then it got to that scene with him retrieving the sword and having to fight like the the zombie skeleton monster. And I was like, okay, this is really like kind of getting deep into like the folklore aspect of it. And I really enjoyed that. I did too. I think I knew that they would be doing that just from the beginning Mm -hmm. of the film. Now, mind you, I didn't really pick up on the tree of life. So when that thing popped, I thought it was just them getting high as fuck and seeing that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, like this is where we're going to go with this. Yeah, this is them under the influence. Yeah. And I think he had run into now this. What, uh, they're not called sorcerers, but they're the uh, Bjork's character. Oh they're yeah, like the Seed, Sears. Sears. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I thought that was made up. I thought that was like a made up thing, but that's actually something. There was Sears back in that those times. Mm-hmm. I think what they did was they got high and saw that they could go into different realms and tell you about your future. Yeah. So I also thought that that was fake. So mm-hmm. at this point, I'm like, oh, anything could happen, yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, the king thing. I mean, that, that that was my favorite scene. I really, I I don't know why, but I think I like that. Just part of being, you know, prophesied that he's gonna get the sword, mm. and then he goes in there, and then you're like, oh shit, there's that sword. Like that's an awesome looking sword. And then the thing comes to life. Mm-hmm. There's a nice buildup 
to that scene with him in the cave with the Willem Dafoe skull and it's prophesied that he's going to retrieve that sword and they're describing like how the sword was made and they're showing a montage of it mm-hmm. and then immediately it jumps right into him retrieving the sword and I think it's such a seamless scene transition I thought it was really well done I had no idea like I, I <laughs> a lot of what's going on is like we're transitioning between reality and fiction mm-hmm. so there's a lot of like I have no idea where this is going to go. I feel like we're grounded with just a couple elements of fantasticalness or fiction, you Mm -hmm. know? And uh, as soon as, like, he was doing the prophecy and saying, you'll get this sword, I thought the sword would come out of the ground, and he would, like... And then I was like, oh, it's going to be like Excalibur. You know, like, he'll pull it out of us. No. It was a a sweet scene. Now, I got a question for you. What's that? When you're watching this, okay, mm-hmm. and that scene happens, and then it smash cuts back, and like it's like, and then he grabs a sword. Did it ever like? What if he doesn't win that battle? Uh, did it ever like occur? Like come across my mind if he didn't win that yeah, battle? Yeah, like what happens in that world if he loses to that thing? Is he because that thing? It just went back to square one. Like, do you restart the level? Right. Yeah. Do you, does he get a re- reset? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's uh, well. I think it's like a prophecy sort of thing, right? Because like it's prophesied that he will use that sword and exact his revenge and make it to Valhalla or whatever they called it. It was yeah. like, well, it wasn't Valhalla. It, they, it like, was like a slight it. variation. Yeah, it yeah. Was, I was like, because I kept wanting to say Valhalla, and like they were not saying that. It was like Valhalla. Valhalla. Yeah. yeah, I think that something. Yeah. So it's kind of like a prophecy thing. So I don't even know if he would have been able to not retrieve that sword. Because it was foretold. Oh, you're saying it's like it's going to happen. Yeah. And we just get to see it. Mm-hmm. See, I kind of like that. I mean, it's a little bit... I like those elements. Yeah. You know, it makes the story a little smoother, too. I'm not thinking about that at all. Because mm-hmm. I'm just like, anytime I watch something, I'm like, all right, if I lived in this world, what would be going on? So it's not like he is going to get it. It's, you know, oh, man, it just went back to square one. Like, what happens if he doesn't win that battle? Mm-hmm. Like, does he does he switch spots with the skeleton? Yeah, that would be an interesting uh, sort of question to ponder. Yeah. Um, but I, I I feel like it could have, like, reset maybe um, if he would have fell in battle against that. If you And if you say it like that, too, if it was prophesied that he does get it, you'd mm-hmm. have to imagine that if he does lose, it'd just be kind of like a Groundhog's Day gig, right? Because he does have to get that thing. Yeah, it all of a sudden becomes a comedy. It's just him running from the skeleton to the Benny Hill skit. <laughs> the sword falls down he picks it up the thing grabs it he pulls the sheath the guy gets a sword he holds it up the skeleton holds it up he starts chasing him with the sheath yeah yeah <laughs> the skeleton is just Skeletor yeah from He-Man <laughs> yeah he kind of looks like He-Man a little bit in this movie a little movie. bit yeah if he had shaved his face <laughs> um but I, I really liked um, the acting in this film, too. I thought pretty much everybody was... I... Uh, yeah. Leo, did you uh, have, a, have an issue? <laughs> you have an issue, mate. You have an issue, mate. Uh, I had an issue with the accents. Like, I'm not... Okay. They kind of took you out of it a Dude, little bit. Dude, I'm... So, worst thing in the world for me, but, like, if you're going to do it, you got you to gotta get it right. Mm. And I can't be thinking about... How long did he have to learn how to do this accent, or why did they go with this liberty, or why couldn't they find someone else to do this accent? Like, mm. 
just because you got the guy to play the role doesn't mean you have to just bastardize everything else to make it work. <laughs> like, that's not how it should go, especially with a guy that's so fucking authentic. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. you want it to be right. Everything else is right. Why does he not sound fucking Nordic? Mm-hmm. I think that's a... I think that's an like a product of like them speaking English too, like for pretty much all the movie. Cause I don't think there's a moment where like they speak pure Icelandic or whatever language it's supposed to be. Yeah. Scandinavian, Finnish, whatever they were, at. whatever it was supposed to be. I don't think there's a moment where we had to rely on subtitles in this film. If they did, they didn't pop up. So, right. But no, I don't know. Like the uncle sounded fine. And, uh, the, the best, the one that did it the best was the uncle's kid like i thought he would they probably pulled him from one of oh, those yeah. areas like his, his son yeah mm-hmm. i was like i was like i don't why can't we especially when he's rambling about uh when they find all the bodies that are cut up and <laughs> posted to the hut oh yeah when he's going at kid, he's losing it yeah he's gotta yeah. tell him to chill the fuck out <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who did this yeah and isn't that it, dude out. that's uh I was kind of like whatever with it. Like I saw it, like Anna Taylor Joy, she had a very weird accent, and so did hers. Probably was the weakest for me. I would say Skarsgård's wasn't that great at all. I mean, he drifted in and out, and he was so fucking like vanilla with it. Mm. I think it made up for me that his acting, like his anger and his rage, and like his just his character, like I liked his character enough to where that wasn't an issue for me. But I could see that being. I'm not saying it doesn't have. That's what I'm saying. Like I, it, I'm, I watch these things. And I just think about it happening in like real life. Mm-hmm. Like I want it to be where we are watching something that literally happened around this time. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, we're not going to get there. But if you're going to do the accent and you want to make it so goddamn credible and authentic, you can't pick the guy that's on the film the longest amount of time and have it be the worst accent. <laughs> Which is weird because isn't I mean he's Alexander Skarsgård so isn't he Swedish he is already from yeah yeah so that was that's an interesting sort of uh, notion and I will say this about. this is where I was kind of where I found some solace in it I was like I don't know how they sounded back then obviously I wasn't alive and I could just be a fucking bigot right now saying that this is how he should sound <laughs> because I have no clue you know. <laughs> All I know is that what I heard was like what I hear from him when he's in True Blood or when he's in, you know, Big Little Lies. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the same guy. Yeah. Like, that's... You really couldn't separate Alexander Skarsgård from the no, character. No, it never got to a point where I was like, man, and it's... that That's half of it. It was because of that accent. And I'm like, I was either expecting it to be... Because he just throws everything so hard at you. Mm-hmm. You know, like the the subtitles come up. They got all the music in this. I don't know who did the score, but dude, like they got they got drums beating. I mean, it's primal. It's primitive. They got like people screaming. They got the foghorns going. Like you definitely feel it was like embedded in that culture. Yeah, it was and then very authentic. Yeah, and then he comes in and it's like, oh, that's a guy from True Blood talking <laughs> yeah. at me, like. <laughs> wow like we couldn't have gotten someone that like had or just buried it made it a little thicker like i don't care if it gets worse where you can't understand it mm-hmm. make it a little thicker yeah i can see your point definitely and i, I it doesn't help when you're trying to do an accent and you're screaming because you're gonna break into your normal there's no it's so hard to hold that tone unless right. it's your actual kind of dialect or you mm-hmm. know so like 
half the movie him being that pissed off and angry i'm like he can't get it right Mm -hmm. because like (laughs) (laughs) because it's just pure passion his true self is going to come through dude like uh in django unchained leonardo when he gets going he drops the southern accent when he starts screaming oh yeah he just sounds like leo screaming yeah that's Mm -hmm. when i was like oh yeah that's it's really hard to hold that dialect because like it's not your it's you're not in that normal tone that you consistently practice in yeah so you don't know when you elevate your pitch or your tone with you know how that's going to change on that you know yeah is the character coming out or is it the actor giving a performance yeah I can definitely see your point there for sure. Yeah. So that was my that's my that was my only beef. Other than that, I did like the acting. I mean, I thought it was really from when I wasn't thinking about that, it was really good. I really liked uh the uncle, the I main villain. I, I thought he I think he was one of my favorite performances in this Vion- movie. Fjolnir. 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 Um I thought he looked the part. I thought he uh he fit the character really well. Um I liked his voice. He was kinda like he was very masculine, but he was also kind of like a subtle, kind of more reserved character until it gets towards the end and he starts losing everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm almost wondering if they did this on purpose, but he reminded me a lot of Scar from The Lion King. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, especially <laughs> with like the dark, long hair and like he was skinnier a little bit. He was like a little smaller than his brother. Um, well, a little bit. I don't know. It- they didn't really get a whole chance to size us up next to Ethan Hawke. Right. And it, it doesn't help that really the only other scene that they're together is Ethan Hawke is on the ground on his knees and about Doing to what die. now? Oh. Um, mm. <laughs> Ooh, Sorry. Come again. Yeah, the uh, famous words of Ethan Hawke. <laughs> <laughs> this is a whole different type of movie now. Yeah. <laughs> Apple, watch out! No wonder, no wonder Amleth ran away after oh what God, he saw. That's only in the first five minutes, ladies and germs. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Robert Eggers film. Get ready. Yeah, um, there's a lot going on. No, I think the only other time he kisses the ring, mm-hmm. he does the ring kiss. But I think he's also got like three like layers of bear on him yeah it's snowing outside so they got like a shit ton of fur on yeah so they all look kind of beefy um but i really liked him as a character and as an actor i thought he was really compelling i i liked whenever he was on screen like he only elevated the film i was about to say i i don't think the only person i liked i i probably liked just as much as scars and i like scars in this i Mm -hmm. thought scars did a great job was the uncle i thought he did a good job holding his own yeah uh Let's see. Uh, Clace Bang is the actor's name who played Fjolnir. Bang? Mm-hmm. His Jesus. last name is Bang. So you know he's going to give a, a bang-up job of a performance. Da-da-da. There you go. Whoa. Um, believe that. <laughs> we only say that in special circumstances. I, I only I only break it out when uh, I feel it's necessary. Oh, you know, it's yeah. You'll be at, <laughs> hey, Kyle, you're gonna get out of work 15 minutes early. Believe that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to abuse it because it is your thing, dude. You can abuse it. It wasn't even mine. I got it from. Uh, it was my. It was a. a <laughs> it was a coach that I coached with that Ferris is saying. And it's from Blue Streak. We're pretty sure. That's the origin of the saying. Really? <laughs> but he would say it. And then I would always shake my head when he said it. And then I never really said it until I started playing like video games. Like I was playing my baseball game. And anytime I hit a home run, like you'd hear a blue da. <laughs> and then that's what, and then it just took off to anytime someone says something where you got to get some like affirmation or like, hey, that's outstanding. I love the fact that it's something that you heard from someone else. Like I thought it was your thing that you made no, up. No, no, and I and I've taken more liberties with it though mm-hmm. than what 
the you've coached it kind of made it your own yeah i was about to say it's not even his anymore it's like when an artist puts something out and people people interpret it in ways that the artist had no idea that they would interpret it yeah yes exactly it's completely it's out of taken their hands. on it's it's just it's morphed into its own thing now mm-hmm. and i say it so much and I, it's there's no no qualms no queries no nothing i don't even know if those are two words that make sense the copyright is expired it's not even his anymore statute of limitations be gone believe it <laughs> <laughs> That was incredible. <laughs> I loved that. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, all the performances were good. I think one of my favorite uh, comedic moments in this film, and I, I think you heard me laughing at it, uh, was when uh, Fjolnir's son is trying to intimidate Amleth uh, when they buy him as a slave. Oh, yeah. And he's like, you better watch your back, slave. We're, we're going to work you to the bone. And then he like punches him. And Skarsgård does not move at all. Just like stares at him, and then he kind of gives him like a nod, like "I'll fuck you up." Still, yeah, <laughs> like, that's the best part. Was like he didn't even like register. It didn't do anything. He so up his own ass. He punches him. And he's like, he's damn like, straight more where that came yeah, from, bitch. There will be more where that came from. Yeah. You don't straighten up. That's why I laughed too. I was like, man, talk about a dude that's disconnected right now. I fucking love that. I love that part so much. It caught me off guard when I watched it. The oh, first the first time. time? Hell yeah! I didn't even know it was coming. I just started. I started laughing too. Too. I was like, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, the berserk dude, he turned he goes from a berserker into this thing. I think the only thing actually that I I not to say like unbelievable, because there are unbelievable aspects of the film. All mm. right. But it's like that you suspended your disbelief for that. The only one that I really was like it probably like had to have happened that I was like, hmm, is when they were um after they got done raping and pillaging the one village. And oh yeah. <clears throat> the guy drops like Oh yeah, we're taking these slaves up to this place up in Iceland or wherever it's called. There's a king there that he used to have it. He took it from his brother, and now he's. And mm. I was like, talk about like just pure luck. Yeah, huh? it's very convenient the yeah. way he overheard. <laughs> like we're taking these twenty people, and they're next on the list mm. to get you know. And that's when I was like, I don't know how else you find out. I mean, you got the Sears, you got fucking. E ecstasy going on. Mm-hmm. Just pick something else for him to be like. Oh, I was prophesized to go to this island, not like some drunk. Just being like, can you believe that these poor saps have to go here now? Yeah, yeah. Can you believe they're taking the slaves to Fjolnir's farm yeah. up in Iceland? <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> like, dude. He dropped it, so he was doing that tidbit too, and I was like, nah, this can't be that. That you know, on the nose with it, you know. And I was like, I wonder what he was like telling him. Then all of a sudden, he's in there, and it's like. Oh yeah, we're going to Fjolnir's farm, and I was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, yeah. I feel like that maybe was like more for the audience that like didn't know what the heck that Bjork scene was than maybe for like Skarsgård's character. When he, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now she that was before. So, but she didn't prophesize that like a guy would tell him. Did Mm -hmm. did she? No. I was about to say she just said you're gonna meet up or you're gonna meet there, and yeah, she just said you need to go back to your journey. Basically, is what she told him. Yeah. Um, and then, and then all of a sudden he runs into Joe Blow pelt maker. Yeah. 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 That dude didn't even have a title. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. While you guys were raping and pillaging, man, I was setting up the fucking next four Viking friend. Number four. Oh my God. was probably that guy's, uh, credit. (laughs) Right. He's like like eighth in line. Like dude, Mm. if they're getting like when they're eating the rabbits, he gets the rabbit's foot. Mm. Like that's that guy. And he was very proud to have that line though. Like he was so ecstatic to tell 
Skarsgård, like, you won't believe where these cocksuckers are going to. Get a load of this. Yeah, yeah. Get a load of this guy. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to Fjolnir's farm up in Iceland. Yeah, and he, like, stopped and looked at the camera and said it. It was weird. It was weird when he winked afterwards, too. Yeah. Really strange. And said it in perfect English. Uh-huh. Didn't even have an accent. Yeah. <laughs> just sounded like an American. Yeah, he just looked right at it. it was, I don't know. I, I thought it was peculiar. Anyways. <laughs> Very. <laughs> No, that was, I think, the only one. I think that was the only other thing that I didn't. Didn't buy. Yeah, 100%. it was kind of like, you know, I don't know exactly where we're going to, you know. And uh, then all of a sudden, he just gets that little tidbit. And I'm like, there's no Google Maps. There's nothing. There's literally, they don't even probably have charted maps. Like, mm-hmm. we're so fucking primitive that. They don't even know like half the world exists. I don't even know where this guy would have got that information from because some chieftain would have had to have come down and like <laughs> set it at, at the fire and he would have had to hurt it and be like, that's juicy gossip. I'm going to go tell the rest of the guys. Like, yeah. There's no way. It would have been like literally like we're loading up the slaves into the ship. He gets a note from like a raven that has it oh. attached to his like foot. And yeah. He's like, he's reading the note. He's like, oh, they're not going to believe this. Sick. <laughs> Who can I tell? Yeah. Amwit. Amwit. Oh, the guy with the really poor posture. Yeah. The entire time. Yeah. All he does is scream. Yes. All he does is scream and he like hunches over with his neck forward. Yeah. yeah he was. He definitely was butting the traps. God, dude. That... The way his posture was the entire movie scared me. Well, I mean, it's like... <laughs> Mostly for his back. But. Yeah, but I mean, like, how do you make him look look overly intimidating? Like, mm-hmm. you know, even, I, I don't know. I mean, I think you'd have to... He does look like I mean, he's already he does a, that. He's already a fucking brick house. Yeah. So, well, I mean, so when he does that, it, like, it gives him creative... Like, you're like, oh, shit. Like, mm-hmm. he's here to, like... He's, he's in an attacking mode. I'll just say that. When he stands like that, I was like... I could see him just taking off on a 40-yard dash and, like, cha- like hunting something. Yeah, it's really primal-looking, especially when it gets to the end. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about the end a little bit. What did you think of that last, like, sort of um, volcano naked dude-on-dude fight? I loved it. I'm yeah. not going to lie. It was, I mean, that was some great dude-on-dude action. It really was. <laughs> so uh, the way the film ends is they're both naked uh, at, at the gates of hell, they say. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the, they're just standing there with their dicks out, basically. Although it's shadowed, so you can't really see them. Yeah. But they've got their shields. CGI and they've got their swords. cocks, too, by the way. Oh, was that uh, was that Willem Dafoe? No, or? that was in that was like whatever I read that they if you if you happen to see anything they did oh, okay. <clears throat> they did CGI that I uh, I didn't really get so a good look at them and I was looking for them. But, yeah, that's um, what I'm saying. Like, I don't know if I like, get to put like a green piece over your piece. Probably. You think so? I'm, I'm sure, yeah. They probably had to like put a green screen. Like, little. Why do you... Oh, maybe because they didn't want to fight. They like, didn't want to actually fight naked. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe that's why it's like CGI'd. Yeah. And, and they, it would yeah, be kind of unnecessary. Yeah. You know? Well, uh, wait till you see Eastern Promises. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm excited yeah. and scared at the same time. Um, but yeah, I really like that scene too. It was very reminiscent of... Again, I'm go- I'm going to go back to The Lion King. Like that last sort mm. of uh, mountain fire fight that uh, Simba and Scar have at the end. It's weird that there's two pulls from The Lion King. Yeah, I couldn't think of a more uh, contrasting film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, one of them is very like kid appropriate, and then the other one is Lion King. This would be really funny, like if you did like uh, swap the DVDs. Oh and yeah, and you're gonna show like a seven year old what mm. it means to you know on a, to go on a journey. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it'd be like a good. Um, 
like a growing up like all right here's reality double feature <laughs> oh god yeah yeah you show them lion king first and they get all safe and yeah secure yeah and then and, this is really what they're portraying and then it's like all right now it's time for the real lion king yeah <laughs> then you put yeah, like that when in if one of these fucking hyenas messed with you all, all of a sudden you see willem dafoe's giant dick <laughs> just pop out is that was he naked in that thing i yeah i i think uh i think that's what it was because he was like a jester in that scene and he was like messing around with fuel in the air and he's like oh the the queen's cup poureth more for her brother-in-law yeah. than her husband I, mean, I didn't i guess i didn't i didn't notice that i didn't know if he like whipped anything out or anything yeah it was like it was very quick yeah but he he definitely like whipped something out and gave it a good old slap rooney oh um, oh yeah yeah i do remember I, mean, I don't know i thought it was, yeah i guess maybe it was a penis it was uh it was quick and it was dark yeah, so you couldn't really like tell exactly. No, I thought what you it was. were talking about like when they were like in the in the the cave. Um, oh, when what? they were in the cave, you know, they're all that, that was a weird scene. Oh, when they're barking. Yeah, mm-hmm. talk about like a lot of trust and a lot of like explaining if the cops showed up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, what are you guys doing? It's like, oh, I'm just giving my son some LSD, and we're gonna howl at the moon while the jester fucking gets naked over a fire and he dances looks like around. he's wearing like a BDSM outfit. I, like it, yeah. I was <laughs> like, this is not like like. <laughs> If someone knocked on that door, you'd have a lot of explaining to do. I feel like that scene could have easily been really goofy and not done really well. But I thought I was really compelled during that entire thing. Like, I was just really curious about what it all meant and, like, what it was going for. I... And then it it got done and it was more of, like, a ritualistic, like, okay, this boy is becoming a man sort of thing. I, that's where I was on. I mean, mm. I was I was with that. I The scene, to me, that was like a... It was a here or there scene. Because they do introduce the Tree of Life and they kind of show, you know, like, he, this is now he, you're becoming the king. So they get the, you know, your bloodlines. It's getting transported. Yeah. And they go through some of that. And then, but, it, like, yeah. And it was kind of funny. I mean, mm. they obviously, they had to break it up a little bit because I'm sure Robert Eggers, when he was filming, it was like, boy, this is going in the wrong direction. Yeah. Prove it to us that you're still a man. <laughs> you know? So, like, I think that was in there for comedic purposes because, honestly, like, it's like. They did squeeze a fart in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and a burp. Yeah, yeah. Second uh, fart joke in a Robert Eggers movie. Really? Because there's one in the lighthouse. Whoa, too. whoa, 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 whoa! Hold on, now I haven't seen it, so let's not go ruining fart jokes. Oh, but you'll appreciate it when it pops up. All right. Um, when when you eventually see it, um, what did you think of Nicole Kidman? She always scares me whenever I watch a movie with her. Ah. Like she's one of those people that if I saw her in real life, I'd be I'd be kind of scared. I was when she. Mm, no, I don't know. I I had a so they don't give you ages, so you know that he leaves when he's eleven, but you don't know when he comes back. So I was trying to figure out how old she would be, and then I was trying to remember how old she looked when we first saw her versus where we're seeing her at now. And then I had like a how old is Nicole Kidman in real life kind mm-hmm. of thought process, and like is that plastic surgery on her face? You know, so she wasn't like neither here nor there. Okay. And I don't think she had an accent either, if I remember right. She just sounded Nicole Kidman. She had a little bit of an accent. Yeah, but... there we go again with the everything else is really authentic, and here we are with Nicole Kidman. <laughs> you can't fucking make it sound fucking Nordic. You know what's what's interesting, too, is um. so I watched this movie a second time with you, and I was looking out for, because you know when he confronts his mother 
for the first time mm-hmm. uh, when he... It's not really confronting. I mean, he's going to save her the, fr- it the doesn't, first time. It doesn't start out as confronting. Yeah. Um, but when he and his mother like <laughs> first have that conversation when he's an adult... She basically like spills everything to him. Like I, it was, it was my idea all along. I was the one who wanted your father dead. I hated him. Yeah. I loved your uncle. Blah 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 blah. And she said, uh, because he, he's like, but I saw you. You were screaming. You were crying. And he, she's like, I was laughing. And I rewatched that scene with that in mind, knowing that she would say that she later. She was probably screaming, right? She was screaming. There is a moment where you can kind of hear a little <laughs> bit of a laugh. Ah. in that scene which i appreciated i i thought that was like a really like cool thing to put in there um <clears throat> but it is also like very purposefully kind of like and i don't want to use this negatively but like manipulative the way they shoot that scene like her like kicking and like screaming and like so do you really think she was telling the truth um that's a question the way that her character <laughs> is in that scene i think i think so you think she was laughing? I think she was like just kind of in a manic state, and now whether or not it was effectively brought across in that scene is another story. But I don't know. Yeah, that's why because I don't think she would have been manic if either if she that, had it planned out. So she would have had to have acted right. Either she had the idea to kill the king and be with his uncle, or uh, she has severe Stockholm syndrome to the point where. She has to justify to herself everything that happened and is like a hundred percent on his side now. Yeah. And like has become like a totally different person. That's what I'm that's what I lean towards. Okay. But that's just me. Mm-hmm. I don't I could go either way, like one way or the other. Um And it's the nice part about her and her performance is you don't really know. Yeah. I really I really enjoy that aspect of it. Yeah. Um and again, Nicole Kidman, she just terrifies me. Like, she was scary to me in Killing of a Sacred Deer, and she was scary to me in this movie. Um, I'd, just be, I'd just be afraid. <laughs> She's kind of got something with her eyebrows. Like, she could stare you down. Yeah. You know, like, she it's could like her eyes. Like, yeah. Like, if she got pissed off at you, like, you'd feel, like, the anger. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I'd feel the wrath. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and our boy did, too, almost. Uh, almost, yeah. Yeah, physically or sexually. That was weird. Uh, <laughs> I was wondering what was going through your head during that scene. Uh, I was like, oh, boy, this is the nine, 900s or 800s. You know, like Christ just died. Modern medicine doesn't exist. We still believe in like nine different gods. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when she was like doing it, I was like, oh, obviously incest isn't around. So uh, <laughs> maybe this happens. <laughs> she did drop like if you kill him, then you're going to be the king and I'll bear your child. And I was like. I really hope incest wasn't around. <laughs> like they didn't know anything about like DNA. So I I it was bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> it fit it fits the the tone of like the twisted nature of her character at that point. Um I think that's so if you're asking me, mm-hmm. I think she was a like whore. Oh. <laughs> that obviously had gotten into a lucrative spot. Mm-hmm. And would have done anything to maintain her position in society. Yeah, it's really like the power that she's after. And I think what happened was that she got with the king. Um, she might have saw that the that this guy was going down. You know, mm-hmm. so the the uncle, whether she knew it or not, I think she transitioned her lifestyle. She had more kids, and it turned into this is servicing this family. Mm-hmm. And then it was well, if you take him out, I will be with you. I'm not gonna lose my status. And this little, you know, um, 
culture that we have here. Right. So that that was my thought. So like when she was going through all that stuff, I was like, I really don't know if I believe her or not. I think honestly, I think that she's probably just a giant narcissist. Yes. And was just in it for herself. So whatever power struggle there would be, she would always come out on top because she would get behind the person with power. Yeah. So yeah. very uh very opportunistic and narcissistic <laughs> tendencies right opportunistic. there. Opportunistic. Well, you're just gonna take a guy behind the ble- shed and blow him. Like it's like I don't know. Is that opportunistic? Opportunistic. Yeah. <laughs> so That's uh, my way of saying it. Yeah. <laughs> um. uh, what uh I think that's is there um any was there any tidbits or anything like that that you I mean you caught on second viewing or that you know um I think fancy I think it cemented the fact that I really enjoyed this film I think uh it's definitely going to be a blu-ray buy for me once it comes out I yeah um I <clears throat> I definitely like this more than the witch I don't like it as much as the lighthouse um there are some things with it that did kind of like feel a little too I don't want to say studio-ish but I heard that there was like some studio interference with this film, and I'm wondering like what parts of it specifically. Right. Uh, like maybe that scene where the guy is saying, "Oh, hey, I heard Fjolnir is up this or way." Oh, maybe that was like a studio thing. Yeah, and then because he um, can't just be prophesied to get on the ship and follow the slaves. Like, mm-hmm. who the hell's gonna know that he got on the right ship? Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I thought uh, as much as I like Anya Taylor Joy, I thought her performance. While it wasn't weak, I definitely thought that it didn't match up to most of the others in this film. She had a very peculiar role mm-hmm. in this whole scenario, like this whole. So I mean, I don't, I can't knock her for where she was at. Yeah. And so like right. I, I, you know. And then there was the aspect of like her getting pregnant, and then the 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 seer basically telling him there will come a day where you'll have to choose between kindness for your kin and hatred for your enemy, and then he's he's like. He's like, the day will come where I have to choose, and I choose both. And then he hops off the boat and swims away. I was like, mm, okay, that's a little too convenient. <laughs> it kind of seems. I I still think he did not choose both. I think he chose one. <laughs> right. <laughs> <clears throat> like I don't know how he got both out of that. <laughs> <laughs> right. He kind of justified it to himself. Yeah. Like that's when he goes, I'll do both, and then he jumps out, and I was like, is this really both? Like, yeah. It's still the the choice, right? Really, really, dude found out he was going to be a dad and bounced at the moment go. (laughs) I think when that actually happened, I I was talking to Justin or something. I go, another single mom in this world. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that was my first thought. That was my first thought, too, when I saw this. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, that I wasn't, like, too, uh, I wasn't, like, grasping at too much, I guess. Yeah. Um, But other than that, I really enjoyed this film. I thought it was really strong. Uh I, I'm definitely glad I saw it in theaters. Um, 100%. This mm. is one, I mean, unless you got like a 68-inch TV or something, you know, with a nice little sound system, like this is one that you want to check out in theaters. Yeah. 100%. Absolutely. Um, do you want to get into ratings? Sure. I have nothing. I I think that this was, um, I, wrote, I enjoyed it. I think I could watch this again. Um, probably take a little bit more away. I mean, just some of the some of the aspects from it. Okay. I, I did like it. It was a nice solid. Like you said, it's just a pretty concise storyline. And with one kind of motivation, it makes it really simple. Mm-hmm. And then you can really lose yourself with some of the in-betweens and what's going on. So, uh, yeah. 
Am I okay. going first on rating? You go first on rating. What'd you rate it? Um, I'd probably give this a nine out of ten. <clears throat> really? Yeah. I uh, I really love this film. Honestly, like I think it's one that I'm going to be excited to show people who haven't seen it yet, and kind of gauge their reactions and their thoughts, and like talk to them about what they got from it. Yeah. So yeah, nine out of ten for me. Yeah, I would. I'm an eight out of ten. Okay. I'm a very solid. I, for me, it was. Um, You're a solid ten out of ten, Mac to me oh there we go mm. thanks bro i got you <laughs> um believe it <laughs> uh no i the eight out of ten uh the accents and um some of the i mean some of the choices that are just made and i really wish they would have kind of suspended disbelief very early on mm-hmm. so you kind of had an idea what was coming and and he doesn't ha- he doesn't spoon feed me anything mm-hmm you know, and it's funny because you talk about the seer, the seers. I mean, those are like that was real. The witch doctors. Oh, I, one of the funny things I, I read about was that uh, practicing magic is a very feminine practice. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, like, if if you were to consider to be practicing magic, people thought it was like you were like a, a homosexual. Oh, yeah. So the <laughs> witch doctor, when he's down there, he's kind of disguising his voice. <clears throat> and yeah so it, but it's ironic though because odin practiced magic mm-hmm. the guy that they yeah so n- the nords man a little conflicted with everything yeah yeah um <laughs> but yeah no like i i think but a solid eight out of ten like the scenery is beautiful like the acting that is there it's great and i think the storyline i mean it just propels you forward and there's a lot of like i don't know where this is going next like you know that it's prophesized that he that this will happen mm-hmm. right but in terms of how it gets there and, and how you get out of certain situations, it was fun. Yeah. Really fun and enjoyable film. A lot of uh, a lot of swords. A lot of swords in this film. A lot of blades. And uh, speaking of blades, Whoa! we watched Blade Runner. There we go. The original. Uh, yeah. 1982. So um, did you want to uh, summate this one since I sure. will probably do the next yeah, one? Yeah, that's the what last I was going to guess. No, this is uh, essentially we're living in the future. It takes place in 2019. Um, there are replicants that are going around. Uh, the Nexus 6, created from the Tyrell Corporation. And uh, Tyrell had been doing a great job creating these replicants to be essentially, they're androids. Mm-hmm. So uh, essentially be slaves for human labor. Uh, well, the Nexus Sixes got out outlawed on Earth, right? And uh, they they put them on colonies, essentially to do the bidding on on colonies. They're and, slave uh, labor. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but then because they're banned on Earth, they somehow get sometimes get to Earth. And when they do, you got to hire a Blade Runner to go and catch them, essentially like a contract hitman to uh, to retire them. Yeah, they say. so it wasn't killing; it was retiring. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so essentially it kind of just opens up with uh, Harrison Ford. Uh, immediately we get to see that he is a Blade Runner, and uh, he's given a contract. And then it's just kind of on from there. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so uh, which version of this film did you watch? Because this the is one, one on of those. Netflix. Okay, so you watched, the, you watched the same one as me. You watched the Final Cut version. Yes. Um, because this is one of those films that is notorious for having multiple different versions. Yep. So... And I, I took the time and I like jotted down the key differences between each one. So I can go over that real quick and we can kind of talk about that. Sure. So first, uh, the theatrical cut. Um, that one is the one 
that had a lot of studio interference because they did a lot of screen testing. They thought that audiences wouldn't understand what was going on. They felt that they needed a little bit of hand-holding. So the theatrical cut includes Harrison Ford's narration, which is notoriously bad. Uh, The voiceover, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, It sounds like he's phoning it in, which I've read a quote of him saying that he didn't do it bad on purpose. He's just not good at narration. Sure. Um, I'm an actor, goddammit. Exactly, right? So uh, there's that. And then they also included the scene at the end of them driving away and him with the voiceover yeah him with the voiceover saying turns out rachel is not like the other replicants she can live longer uh that happened yes yikes yeah yeah not exactly worded like that i'm paraphrasing but yeah basically that's that's what they put in the movie so that people would have a happy ending. i heard that they had a different ending that when they did the test audience they had to essentially cut it and redo it yeah and that's basically what they put in okay so Mm -hmm. then Oh, keep going. I'm not going to cut you off. So uh, then uh, the next one is the international theatrical cut, which is not super different from the normal theatrical cut. It's just that different countries got more violence. Mm -hmm. Like they got more violent scenes included, like the replicants getting shot. There's a little bit more blood. Yeah. Um, So basically everywhere but the U.S. got uh, more violence in that version. And then you've got the director's cut, which is interesting that it's called the director's cut because Ridley Scott didn't have sole control over it it was basically something that the studio was basically going to make without him and they were going to use like this older version that they had to like kind of spice things up and then that fell through there was a bunch of like lawsuit stuff happening with ridley scott and uh at a certain point i think in 1991 he uh he and warner brothers i think managed to like work together on it to create the director's cut so right that version, uh, they removed the narration. They included the unicorn dream scene that Deckard has in the film. Yep. And then they removed the whole like happy ending thing. Right. They kind of end it ambiguously. Mm-hmm. They end it with him and Rachel getting on the elevator. Yeah. And then the credits roll. Doesn't he kind of like wake her up and then? Yep. She's well. He enters the apartment and he doesn't know like whether or not she's dead. Right, because it's a Nexus 6 model, and, and they only had a four-year lifespan, and they were coming up on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he lifts the blanket, and there's that like little moment of doubt, and then she she asks like if that's him or what. I don't remember exactly the, how the right. scene went. But essentially, she gets up, and they leave. Um, so they removed that, so it's a little more ambiguous. And then there's the Final Cut version, which is like the 25th anniversary version. Came out in 2007. Yep. And so that one, Ridley Scott had more control over. Right. So that one's very similar to the director's cut. Uh, Really, the only difference is is that the unicorn scene is longer and the violence from the international cut is included in this one as opposed to not being included in the director's cut. Yeah. Um, Let me see if there's anything else. Uh, Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, Are we doing like fun facts? Uh, yeah, we can. I, I did. I got a little, it was crazy. I just kind of, some of the, did you hear how it got titled Blade Runner? Did you read that? Uh, no, I, so I, go ahead. Well, I, so I watched this with Justin and we were, we were watching it and, um, he goes, how the hell did they get Blade Runner out of this? I'm like, I don't know. He goes, this is based on a book. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know. You know? Yeah. So he goes and he, he, ty- he types in, uh, 
Justin, good friend, friend of the pod. Shout uh, out. <laughs> Twitter handle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I met Justin when we watched The Northman. Yeah. Nice fellow. Good, yeah. Good bloke. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, hopefully I'll see you again soon. Give you a big old smoosh. Yeah. Not in his dreams. Uh, real life. Yeah. Well, I was thinking more of like the <laughs> Northman. As you sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Riding a unicorn. <laughs> yeah. Daydreaming about a unicorn. Uh, anyway. No, so... Uh, this is based on the book, uh, Do Androids... Androids Dream of Electric Sheep. Right. I have notes about that, too. Yeah. So they he wrote that, and that was by, like, what, Clay Dick or uh, something? Philip Dick? K. Dick. Philip K. Famous wrote, science fiction writer. Yeah, right? So he did iRobot. He did this. He had a couple other ones that got put into movies. Like, I was kind of like, whoa. But that doesn't mm-hmm. explain the Blade Runner. Right. There's a dude uh, that was practicing medicine in, like, 1928 or 1938. Okay. Uh, he would write, and while he practiced medicine, he would write sci-fi novels, Ooh, right? Okay. He eventually wrote one that was just called Blade Runner, all right? And what it was is uh, there's this guy named Billy and Doc, all right? And they lived in this futuristic world where healthcare was universal, mm-hmm. but if you wanted to get treated or get help, you'd have to get sterilized. Interesting. Which, yeah, a lot of common themes of sterilization from that time period, which is, like, bizarre. Right. Uh, <laughs> Because, anyways, well, I'm sure we'll talk about it. Yes. Um, so, anyways, Billy would have to, like, he'd go through, and what they did was they would do black markets got set up, so they'd find, they Billy would take the dock into these guys and get, you know, help out the people, and eventually the, the story comes through, and uh, Billy and Doc end up changing, you know, the, you know, you know universal health care, and so people with certain conditions could get. Anyways, William S. Burroughs read that book, Mm-hmm. Right, Blade Runner talked to his publisher, and uh, <clears throat> they purchased the rights from this dude Andrew Norse or something like that. Okay, so that he could remake this into like uh, kind of like a I want to say it was like kind of like a novella, like like almost like a script, you know. So like okay, it could be transpired or po- imposed, soup, whatever it is, to make a script. Mm-hmm. Um, but William S. Burroughs fucked it up really bad oh he made like he changed a whole bunch of things like the he like billy he turned billy gay he made the doc an asshole so they had this whole uh problematic relationship and it wasn't like the united states healthcare system that they were fighting or like the blade running they were doing like abortions or something like oh geez william s burroughs yeah completely bastardized this thing oh well anyways what happened was Rid it or Stanley uh, or Philip K. Dick? No, 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 no. The director, oh, Ridley uh, Scott. Ridley Scott. Mm. Him, the the screenwriter and the producer were all together, and they were trying to figure out what to name this because you can't call it "Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep." A little bit of a mouthful of a title. Yeah, just a little bit. Mm. Uh, so they came across somehow William S. Burroughs' title, and they just bought the title from William S. Burroughs. So William S. Burroughs, like. Somehow gets out of all the shit, fucking up this guy's novella, mm. right? Paid money, doesn't does not get put into a film like he was hoping for. Major failure. Oh yeah, and Ridley Scott comes by, comes. You know about? Do you know about William S. Burrow? I'm sure. Uh, n- not like a, a whole little, lot actually. Uh, do a wiki on him. It's interesting. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Sounds like an interesting bloke. <laughs> Wait till you read what happened with his wife in Mexico. Oh. Uh, <laughs> and. Sells it to Ridley Scott and the and the guy. So literally, the only thing they take from it is Blade Runner. Yeah, just the name. <clears throat> yeah, so that's how you get the title. That's a 
Wow. That's a very Cra- interesting story. Crazy story, right? That's crazy. Yeah. So I'm sorry that we had to go through story time with us, but like that was, I found it fascinating. That, was, that is fascinating. I really like that story. Yeah, when you don't know how, like, I like Justin, it was funny because Justin's like, how did they get Blade Runner? We thought, it, like, he Googled it. The reason why it was funny to me is because Justin Googled Blade Runner book and mm-hmm. it popped up with The Blade Runner. That was uh, the name of William S. Burroughs. It didn't pop up with Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? No, no, no. So that happened. So Justin's like, oh, and Justin goes, oh, this is like set on like a Neo Tokyo kind of atmosphere. He's like, in like, uh, after like there was like an he goes there was like an atomic bomb or like a lot of radiation and universal health care he goes and two guys like chasing like helping people and i was like oh that could be it and he goes no it says it's not <laughs> i was like oh he goes oh here's it do androids dream of electric sheep and i was like nice mm. like that's kind of okay I, I i see that a little bit more now yeah and uh yeah so then i was like that's weird that there's just a blade runner book that without Without any attachment to the property whatsoever, whatsoever, only not a name. even, and then you, then you get to hear about how it came to fruition because I don't know they, they never they just call them Blade Runners, but they don't explain it in the in the movie how they. So yeah, the last little tidbit, okay. um, the writer when he got asked about the screenplay and Blade Runner why they didn't explain it, he was just like I've found that when you bury yourself into like explaining something it loses a lot of that um glamour or it loses yeah, a lot of the, the, the mystery yeah behind it so he's like we felt like we just keep it out and what the fuck am i gonna explain yeah yeah <laughs> right <laughs> it's just a cool ass name yeah <laughs> so i thought that was fun uh-huh it's a good title though I'm, I'm glad they went with it instead of the original it is yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, well, so I reckon. Well, you did the recommendation, and I threw it back at you and said we should watch both because yes. I had seen it twice. I yeah, this is my I think second time watching this movie in full. Nice. Mm-hmm. The first time I watched it, uh, it was in college. I took a uh, literature class at MCC, and we went over the Watchmen mm-hmm. graphic novel. Mm-hmm. We went over uh, Blade Runner as a as a movie right we didn't really talk much about doing androids dream of electric sheep yeah and then we also went over uh dune the uh, book or movie the book okay. by frank herbert <laughs> Booker movie at that time there wasn't a sick-ass movie out so the book yeah yeah the the book <laughs> we watched a few scenes from the dune movie and it was kind of dank um but yeah sick day bro didn't do shit in class dog 30 <laughs> minutes we got to watch it was fucking awesome watch this fucking david lynch movie <laughs> it was fucking sick I, man i, I fucking i sneezed my eyeballs out it was so fucking dank <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what that was about um <laughs> but yeah so it's been a long time since i've watched it and yeah. there wasn't a whole lot i like there were things that i remembered a lot about it but i didn't remember a lot of like the finer details exactly i'm 100 percent. Mm-hmm. i might forget them here in a month anyways but yeah <laughs> as of right now you yes. just listen like, back to what we're talking about okay. and then you'll remember <laughs> oh my god yeah well that's what happens when i get fucking alzheimer's oh uh, yeah yeah uh coming up quick uh, <laughs> but uh yeah no so when i watch this again uh I was able to like get more from it and like think about it in a more critical way. Cause when I first watched it, I was like, okay, cool. Sci-fi movie. I guess it's old. Uh, came out in 1982, but I watched this again and yeah, the, the themes are strong. They still hold up. It's a world that you can like easily get lost in. The music is really good. Oh my God, dude. It's the second time I've heard that score too. I was like trying to, and I don't know if it was like, 
deja vu. Mm-hmm. But they'd be like the mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, like you know, just the droning. Yeah, and it'd just be like a weird, like synthetic, like one string, just straight, like just pull down the guitar tab down that one string and just let it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, and I was like, I've heard this somewhere, but yeah, the score fantastic. Mm, the main theme has been stuck in my head since I've watched it, um, because they they play it at the end of the new one, twenty forty nine, mm. um, which we can get into later. But yeah, no, the score is iconic. Um, I think the story is really compelling. Uh, the effects, for the most part, I think are really well done. A lot it's of it's still, pr- a lot of it holds up. A lot of it's practical. A lot of, like they probably used a lot of like miniatures. And like just mm. uh, like you know, foot tall structures or however it's done, because miniatures are always going to look better than any like CGI whatever. Yeah, I mean, well, if you can do it right, and mm-hmm. film it correctly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you know what you're doing. Yeah. Um, if you know what you're doing. Huh? <clears throat> huh? Anyway, uh, <laughs> college reference. What reference was that? <laughs> I was trying to make a Dune reference. <laughs> doing Dune. Yeah, not my finest hour. That's all right. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, this movie like it still holds up, and there's a reason why it's like kind of a it became like a cult classic because yeah, it, when it came out, it wasn't really successful, right? Like this was kind of a box office failure. I don't really know. I didn't pop into that world with it. Like I didn't, I didn't, because from ever since ever ever since I can remember, it's been popular. Mm-hmm. So it never was like me too. Yeah, you know, like it, like the Big Lebowski. Like if someone's like it flopped in theaters, I'd be like, really? Yeah, you know, like I don't, I don't. It's a fantastic movie. Mm-hmm. So it could have. It. I mean, did you look it up, or is it just kind of like what you were reading a little bit? Um, I just, I think I heard somewhere. I can look it up right now, but I heard somewhere that it was similar to Twenty Forty Nine, and that it really didn't meet box office expectations i feel like and i can see that that this is a little too heady for the casual moviegoer that wants to see you know some guy fucking a robot Mm -hmm. um so it 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 made a little bit over uh so it had a budget of 30 million and it made 41.6 million mm -hmm. so not not the worst but definitely not what they were hoping for a hundred percent and that's not a great return no um so yeah, but like you said before, you and I were never around to see like it fall flat on its right. face. Like we only know about like the legacy of it and the cult, like the cult following that it has uh, in terms of like being yeah. a movie status. Um, so, uh, what what do you think of this this movie overall, McLean? Uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot more now that I knew what was going on and I paid attention. Mm-hmm. Um, this was kind of like one of those things. I was like, man, I can't believe this has taken me three times to fucking pick up on this shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, like that's going to be one when I get up to the pearly gates and God shows me wasted time. He's like the first time you, you watch the, you know, Blade Runner twice. It's just like, there's five hours right there. You'll never get back. Yeah. And he'll attach a value to it or something. And I'm just going to cry. It's like defending your life with Albert Brooks. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm going to, it's one of those things where I'm just going to be like. Never getting that back. Yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, I, it's a little heady. And after reading, um, I had to. So I wanted. I looked up kind of like Android's Dream of, Le- of Electric Sheep. Mm-hmm. I wanted to. I wanted to read about that and see what Deckard was. And yeah, I, I did, guess I did that too. Oh, you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, and it's interesting. I mean, kind of. I mean, I I now see more about the eighties and the with technology on the rise, the uh, human 
um, const- oh my god, conflict like, with machines and like what really separates oh, us. Oh yeah, like them going into like the implications of just the different progress in technology that we make. Well, and I'm, I was talking. Well, not only that, but I'm talking with. I was talking with um, my friend, you know, and I was telling her I was like, you know, the big thing here was empathy. Empathy kept kept popping up. Like I don't mm-hmm. know why empathy was popping up, and I was like, maybe that's what separates us because it was that and memories yeah and i was like a big thing here was that like machines don't have empathy and then you know as we as humans do obviously i mean like the 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 voight test or whatever the hell it was. oh the voight comp test the voight comp test yeah it was mm-hmm. to gauge that and but one of the funny things that they don't they kind of do and i now see it with edward james almost as that character to kind of um showing contrast to Harrison Ford is that even humans sometimes don't have empathy. So then what really does separate us mm-hmm. if we don't have that capability of, of receiving emotions? Exactly. And I'm not going to lie. This film, after watching this one, has now helped me out with any sort of fucking machine movie that I'm going to watch from the 80s. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to have a, such a different perspective watching it being like, People really struggled with human behavior, yeah. and there was something going on with like, all right, if we make an android and it's synthetic, like, what's the difference between us and them? Exactly. And there's a really and they and so throughout the film, I think they do a great job of pros like proposing that, yeah, showing that. One of the biggest things that I took away from the first time watching it in my class was uh, the professor asked us like. He told us, like, the question shouldn't be whether or not Deckard is a replicant. The question should be, does it matter? That's a good, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've, that's always stuck with me ever since. And I kept that in mind while watching this. And, yeah, it is definitely, uh, like, a, such a, like, profound theme in the movie that it just resonates with me. They do a really good job of showing that. So I didn't have, because the whole time I was in my, like watching it, I was like, oh, he does care about Rachel. Mm-hmm. And he is making choices based on those feelings. Yes. So that's why I, the whole time I never really viewed it. But they do a really weird job in this thing where it's like the only thing that is limited is empathy. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, I don't know if they can love that they can show you that they can love. You know, so there was like that. You get the hollowness of it all, and then it was kind of hard with Harrison Ford because it's like, well, he's making choices about things that he he feels. You know, so that makes him. But I could be mistaken. I could be off. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's it. Was it by the end of it? I mean, she she drops a line like, "Are you a replicant?" And then when you really start to kind of go back and think about it, it's like, well, what choices did he make, or what was he doing that would reflect that he was or wasn't? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all there's a means to an end with everything that he is doing. Yeah. You know, it's more so like not about like who you are, but like just the choices you make. And that's definitely like an also like another big theme in the next movie, too. Yes. Um, I noticed a lot more uh, like eyes as windows to the soul sort of symbolism in this uh, film. Did you see the mm-hmm. like yeah. the reflection in the eyes? Not only that, but just like the way that eyes are so important thematically in this movie. Like, yes, Tyrell as a character like he so he's basically like kind of the villain of the film. Like he's somebody who has created these replicants and he's like, he's in a position of power so much so that like his, his like building like just towers over everything. Like it's basically like this giant pyramid sort of thing. And he's a character who basically creates life. He's somebody who like bestows life 
uh, to the world and like basically plays God. But the thing is, he's got trifocal glasses. Yeah, like he's got these big, thick ass things that if he <clears throat> didn't have, he wouldn't be able to see shit. And so there's this notion of somebody who is God but with poor vision. <laughs> and that's something that I also like got from <laughs> my my professor at the time that is like still stuck with me too. Is the fact that he's he's somebody who's in like a godlike position, but he himself is imperfect. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's always like stuck with me in terms of like this movie specifically. Like that's probably one of the biggest things. Yeah. I was about to, well, there are they, they do a little bit of uh, symbolism in this, and and you know, I mean, they they I think there are elements construed throughout this that I might not have picked up on watching it this time because it was mm-hmm. like probably like first time watching for me, honestly. Yeah. You know, it's been so long and you don't remember a whole lot. What do you mean a whole lot, dude? I was like <laughs> watching this. I was like, I didn't even know that they let off with this. Like, I feel like I would have known a whole lot more if I knew this was like a Nexus six and that these guys were bad guys that escaped. Right. I mean, dude, completely fucking empty. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it was a projector slide with nothing on it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Fun, fun, fun pictures happening. <laughs> cool. Harrison Ford gun moments. Um, yeah, no, so that stuck with me, and then there's also, like, the origami stuff happening with Edward James Olmos' character. Yeah. So I n- jotted down each origami he made. So the first one he makes is a chicken, is when Deckard is, like, first refusing to hunt after the Nexus Sixes. A chicken head. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit of a chicken. Cheap, cheap. Um, well, did you know, I mean, so in the book, they called, they would call those guys that... Um, Oh my god! That would lose. That were losing their empathy and the, their ability, and returning more into androids. They call them chicken heads. Oh, really? Yeah. The book has a huge animal. There's a lot of animal symbolic, stuff in it. you know, and mm. like because all animals are dead, which they kind of touch on in the movie. They give you the hint, but in the book, it, all animals it's super prevalent in the book. Yeah. Yeah, and so they would call. They would call. Uh, they would. They would. <laughs> it was funny because they were talking about like those that could still recognize empathy amongst themselves and know that they were humans and they could spot other humans. If they were seeing someone that they, that couldn't, they'd call them a chicken head, mm. <laughs> you know, almost demeaning them less than like you. So you had the skinwalkers, then you call someone a chicken head. Yeah, that's like less lower. than a replicant. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, so a chicken, I think, I mean, they might've went with that. They might not have, I don't know. Interesting. Okay. I'm, I'm learning a lot. So yeah, the first one was a chicken. The second one was a stick man. Mm. Which I kind of took as like, okay, Decker is like more so like a man than a chicken, obviously. Yeah, um, so he's starting <laughs> to actually see that he is a human and that maybe like the choices that he's making obviously reflect those that you would do if mm-hmm. you had the capacity. I keep wanting to say feel, but I, 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 yeah. I don't know if they're hollow or not. They just keep telling me empathy. And I was like, I think there's more than that with humans. But am I off? <laughs> like, am I a fucking skinwalker? Um. I hope not. <laughs> so, no, I mean, like, anyways, yeah, so yeah, stick yeah. man. So, that, yeah, then the third one is uh, the unicorn at the end. Which that. had, that, I guess, is what set off this whole replicant thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you read up on, did you see anything about that? Um, I didn't read up on it. I, I do have, like, kind of my own interpretation of it. Okay. So, my own interpretation of it. So, he has the dream, and my thinking is, okay, so he's dreaming about something that he's like never seen before in his life. Like you said, animals are like a rare thing mm-hmm. and unicorns like whether or not this world is like a sci-fi world, you can argue that unicorns are still like a fantastical element in yeah. that world. Yeah. And so he has this dream and 
it's like to him like okay what does this mean and then like he sees the unicorn thing at the end uh i know some people think that that means that his memories are implanted and that it's a reference to the fact that they know what his memories are Mm -hmm. and so that's just kind of acknowledging the fact like hey deckard could be a replicant yeah and so that's kind of like something that i like to think that it means too it was that way you were kind of leaning towards yeah a hundred percent because i saw that i mean he came out with the unicorn i was like that's kind of odd that but i wasn't really like some of the world i didn't pick up on like i knew that they could transplant and trans because he's talking to rachel and he says that's not your memory that's his seven-year-old niece's memory yeah, like yeah. that's nothing you're and that's like she's like now learning that she is a skinwalker mm-hmm. um but it to me it wasn't like it, it was never suggested or justified that anyone could see what any android's memories were or had been transferred and it's also sounded like she was the first one to have it happen mm-hmm. so the only other thing would be if deckard was created and you know this was like the next wave and edward james almost was there to keep tabs on him mm-hmm. but like so i read that and i i just was like i yeah i could see that i mean it's kind of a cool thing to think about but i also it was kind of conflicting with Every, all the information I'd been given, because from everything I understood, Rachel was the next wave, and she was one of one. So yeah, yeah. And it didn't sound like the other, unless the other androids did have memories. So that's the one thing I didn't know about either, because I was like, it doesn't yeah, sound they don't like really the touch on it, do older they? models. It doesn't. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I was like, it doesn't sound like the older models have that ability, and that was the next step in terms of um, harnessing, you know, like how to make them more human Mm -hmm. is the ability to give them to reflect on, on certain events and maybe they would invoke something, you know? And Mm -hmm. I was like that, that the the memory thing seemed to have a severe, like a very impactful significance in this and determining if, you know, if you're human or not or dreaming, you know, kind of being able to have that creativity and, you know, it's like what actually constitutes as us doing it versus, being handed yeah i know i noticed there was a lot more like memory stuff in this movie than i remembered yeah going back to memory seriously um so that was something that i thought not only fit well with this movie but also carried well into the next film a hundred percent um this film was a lot more detective noir than i remembered it being Mm -hmm. um and it definitely hit home with me when the music would come in sometimes and it would play the saxophone (laughs) <laughs> i was like okay this is definitely like this an, is the 80s vibe this is an 80s vibe like detective noir style yeah. movie like we're not gonna let you like the, this guy's feeling a little low right now yeah He's yeah like, it's like whether or not this is like a sci-fi like cyberpunk world yeah we're still gonna throw this aesthetic in there i love i mean i really like it but mm-hmm. yeah it it definitely still has like I remember I was watching. I was like, I told Jess, I'm like, this movie's 40 years old. Can you I believe that say, shit? Like, yeah, yeah. I think that's like one of the only aspects of this film that like has kind of dated it for me. Yes, a little bit. Is, Music will always have that impact, though. I think. Yeah, unless it's like super far out there and like non-specific to any sort of like time. Period. I was about to say, actually, well, if you would have, if they would have kept the, yeah, just like the droning sort of. They would have kept that. Yeah. That could easily pass. And I think that's where I, my mind goes more towards that than it did the kind of, hey, you know. Yeah, the sort of like. (laughs) Down on his lock. It's raining outside. He can't get a buck to get a meal. Yeah, yeah. He's got to find the next lead. He doesn't know where to go. Mm Mm-hmm. 
that when that when that saxophone kicks in, you know it's <laughs> you know it's noir time. Oh my god, so fucking Glengarry Glenn Ross. Uh-huh. Uh so that's something I noticed um yeah, I don't know. I feel like I've been uh bringing up a lot of points. Was there anything no, that you kind of took away from it that you were like, "Oh, this is that's not something I noticed before." No, dude, cuz I'm telling it was all new. Like yeah, yeah. all of this I thought there was a great um Rachel dropped the line like, "How do you know that your memories aren't you know, false or, yeah. and then it kind of proses like is decorative replicant or not. And then I didn't realize it was that big of a controversy. Cause at the end of the film it was kind of like, I think he was a replicant. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, now thinking about it, I'm like, I don't know, but I didn't know it was in- intended to be like that. But then you bring up, I mean, it, it really, it was, it really as humans, you know, um, kind of like, how, how do you, how would you know, you know, if you spotted the next one? Right. Like it's kind of it's a weird thing to think about in the 80s that we were having this like identity crisis going on and kind of we're more than what we are and things are catching up to how much we can process. Yeah, they weren't afraid to ask those types of questions and like put them in film and in art and right. like all sorts of media cuz I mean like this was happening, like Terminator was happening at the same time, mm-hmm. Matrix was on the horizon. So yeah, a lot of those themes like carry over into other movies too, and this movie definitely inspired a lot of oh, a hundred percent different likes. This film kind of like pioneered the whole like cyberpunk aesthetic. Yeah. Oh, I was wondering how. Did, what do you think about Neo Tokyo or Neo San Francisco? Like I mm-hmm. watching it this time, I was like, holy shit! I I honestly feel like this could hold up. Like it holds up today. Yeah. Like, I, well, and then you watch 2049. It's like, maybe it doesn't. But. <laughs> <laughs> I think it holds up for the most part. There's definitely a lot more. Uh, I think it's a lot more mixed than it is in 2049. Yes. Um, because not only is there like cyberpunk stuff going on, but like I said, there's like the detective noir stuff. There's the whole uh, J.R. Sebastian stuff where he's like got all of his like tinker toys and yeah, like his experiments a... going on. So yes. there's kind of like a weird kind of back alley vibe with that going on yeah there's a lot of different styles in this one compared to 2049 i would say Um, yeah well that one's a little bit more grounded with the story this one definitely felt more book element related yes with different themes kind of going along Mm -hmm. about because i mean you 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 and i was talking to my friend about it but i'm like you have um, the socio, the socio political climate, or the socio economic climate, or however you want to look at it, with the the androids, mm-hmm. they're they're human slaves, and yes. they're lo- they're looked down upon, but they're they're more they're smarter and they're stronger than we are. Yes, you know. Mm-hmm. So you have that going on. You got the um, what makes an android going on. You're kind of living in this world all of a sudden where you don't know. I mean, if you watch it, and I never really thought about it, but like. Um, try to identify who's a person and who's an android. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you had to go through and like, and Ridley Scott was sitting there, like, yes, no, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's there's a little bit of a fun element with that. <clears throat> you obviously have the noir stuff going on with Harrison Ford trying to figure out where these guys are at. I mean, kind of central to the plot of he's a Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you got Tyrell producing all of this creating synthetic like labor mm-hmm. but at what point is it more you know that more man more than manufacturing purpose right yeah yeah where they're actually like inundated into society mm-hmm. and i was like there's so many elements and themes going on in this film and i thought 
I thought they did a pretty good job handling all of it. So it definitely comes off feeling more booky. Like I, I don't like to read books. <laughs> uh, yeah. So like that's why I like film. Yeah. Uh, and that's where that jock <laughs> kind of comment comes out. Mm. But this was a book where I was like, I don't. I think I might like try to grab this book and 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 read through it and see a little bit more about that world. I'm not lying, dude. There's a whole slew of movies from the 80s that have these themes ingrained in them. Mm -hmm. And I never never once thought about synthetic humans and what it meant to actually be human in this kind of conflict that we have and what does it all like what does it mean like yes. if you have the next body next to you and you don't know does it really matter mm -hmm. and there was a little bit of a struggle with that identity crisis mm -hmm. right and then you're reflecting on yourself like how would i know if i didn't look in a mirror if i was you know so i it opened up a whole new kind of whole new avenue mm -hmm. um and i've i've i really appreciated it for that honestly i Absolutely. really did um so one thing I noticed in this film too, like this is a kind of a minor thing. Yeah. But towards the end when he has that confrontation with Roy, like mm -hmm. that final sort of chase scene, um, there's a lot of like different parallels going on between the two. So like there's the whole <clears throat> like Deckard gets his fingers broken and then there's the whole issue with Roy's hands like kind of clasping together as a sign of like him about to die yeah and yeah, he keeps yeah. saying like not yet so then he shoves a nail through it yep there's that and then there's also like kind of a biblical connotation to that too you know nail being shoved through the hand obviously. jesus christ the savior yep yeah it evokes that imagery um and it kind of also parallels deckard's whole purpose in the film is to hunt down these replicants and then it's like obviously turned around on him he's the one that's running away from this guy so there's <laughs> yes. there's that notion going on too. And I think the the climax of this film is really strong. I'd agree. I think it's like my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. I've um, honestly um yeah, I it, well it gets talked about so much. There's a lot of quotes that come out from it and mm -hmm. um so you hear a lot about, you know, the the very ending of it, but actually watching it, I was like, "Oh my god, this is very tense." Mm -hmm. And they don't <clears throat> you're kind of learning as you're going through that Beatty's getting towards the end of it. Mm -hmm. They say they live for four years, and I think it was proposed that they're only two years old. I thought I read it or I said it was said at one point. So you don't really know that it's like he's looking it's for like eternal life. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, I want more life. Yeah. Is what he tells Tyrell. Um, yeah. I thought that that whole sequence was really well done. Um, so, uh, did you have anything else that you wanted to say as far as like criticisms or like any other thoughts you had? Uh, no, my well, I guess my only criticism was like maybe clues not being handed to me. Like he got the snake skin at one point. And I'm like, I don't know where he picked that up or found that at. I don't mm -hmm. know if it was highlighted. Probably was at some point, but I like. Yeah, I think he found it in like a bathtub. Yeah, and there was like a series of photos that he found too. Okay, so then that's how. That's how he was able to find where the chick with the snake was. Well, I remember him. He saw he did the photo imaging and was like enhancing it. Yeah. And like kind of messing around with that. Yeah. They're, they're, just for how big Tokyo or Neil San Fran is mm. uh, to be able to find these things like in the amount of time he did. I, that was like unrealistic to me. But like, hey, we're living in a world with androids. So why don't you fucking cool it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that <laughs> kind of kept voice kept popping up. Suspend your disbelief a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Mac, chill the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was about it. So that's why I'm not really going into that side of things. Mm. <laughs> like, uh, 
That would probably be it. Is I think there's a couple things where it's like happenstance or, or good luck, you know, played a pivotal part in, uh, you know, hey, uh, you hear about the king living up in Iceland? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> they killed his brother. Kind of the inverse of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, uh, uh, yes. Okay. So. Um, before we give our rating, I kind of wanted to go over the book a little bit because oh, I, yeah. I did jot some stuff down. Because Did I just, you read this or did you just go over and kind of cliff I just went it? over the Wikipedia summary. Yeah. Um, just because I was I was really interested in the differences. And boy, there are differences. Yes, there are. Um, so the first one I noted was that instead of Tyrell, they call it the Rosen Corp. Okay. Um, so Rachel's character in the book is called Rachel Rosen. Oh, that would have made a little... Um, and then the whole motivation for Deckard's character is completely different. Instead of being like forcibly pulled back into hunting replicants like he is in the film, in the book... He does it because he wants to get money to buy his wife a real sheep. Oh, that's... Because they have a fake sheep. Yeah, they have a synthetic... Yes. <laughs> yeah. And there, like you said, there's a whole lot more like animal themes going on in the book than yeah. in the movie. So then there's that. And then Rachel, when she pops up, she knows that she's an android already. Like, it's not a surprise to her when you learn it as the reader. Mm-hmm. Um. The, there's like a whole subplot where Deckard f- like gets arrested and he's held in jail. But then they find out that the whole police force that he's being imprisoned by is like fake and they're all replicants. So then he has to like kill everybody and break out. Um, Sick. Yeah. And then there's like a whole thing where like I guess Rachel like fucked a bunch of other Blade Runners or something. Like, oh I don't no! Know. Oh, Deckard. I, I don't know where that came from. Uh, I don't remember like the purpose or connection to and that. And then she took photos and videos and sent it to him. Jesus Christ. Turned into like a, oh, we don't have to go there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so then uh, Deckard gets like a bunch of money, but for some reason, instead of getting the sheep, he buys his wife a goat. Yes, that's, I'm, <clears throat> and yep. I, I didn't really understand why. Uh and there's like a whole thing where uh, he like he fucks Rachel and then he like he like calls her something like a whore or something and then like she gets pissed. So then like he gets the goat and then like Rachel breaks into the house and kills the goat. Yeah. And so then like Deckard's wife is all depressed again because she was depressed at the start of the book. And then like towards the end Deckard has like this whole like it's after he kills like the final replicants that he's hunting. Yeah. He has this whole like weird trippy like messiah hallucination thing in his head because there's like this whole religious aspect where like he goes out into the desert and he like basically has this acid trip and finds this toad and he convinces himself that it's a real toad. So then he grabs it and he brings it home to his wife and then his wife tells him, yo, this is fake as shit. And then he starts like breaking down and like the the Wikipedia summary described him as crestfallen. He becomes crestfallen at the fact that yeah. he got his wife a fake animal. And so then he's depressed and then like she tries to cheer him up and then that's basically the end of the story. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Little bit different from the bit. film adaptation. <laughs> I would be I might I don't know. I might have to get my hands on this and, and read it. Yeah. I'm kinda if you I'm, do, we'll have to talk about it. Yeah, I was about to say because I am I'm a little interested in I mean, dude, I've I've really enjoyed I liked it a lot mm-hmm. more than from what I remember. So uh what would you rate it? I bumped this one up. I saw I had it rated on MDVA mm-hmm. from a seven to an eight. Okay. So 
once again, I'm. I think there's a little bit of a disconnect for me with being 40 years old. Mm-hmm. Like I, but I do enjoy the story. But there were a couple of things that happened that I didn't connect the dots. Yeah, a little too. But I mean, other than that, I mean, it's probably going to make me think even more, and it opened up a whole new way of looking at other movies like this. And I think I honestly gave it a seven just because of how it looked. Okay. And it, I mean, it looks and sounds fantastic. So mm-hmm. just this, I, I think, and you know, Ridley Scott, go pat yourself on the back. But you yes, know, me, me bumping it up a notch was like that was a big like all right i missed it this is you know this is where i'm at now yeah um i would probably say i'm at the same uh i give this an eight out of ten it's Mm -hmm. definitely closer to a nine like i might bump it up to a nine eventually i agree with that uh it's definitely not a seven out of ten for me no um should never have been honestly i felt (laughs) embarrassed when i looked at that at work honestly i feel shame yeah like i I looked at that i was like you fucking idiot no wonder you had to watch it three times it makes me retroactively look at all the aspects of my life that i've been (sighs) uh just lukewarm on and question everything um <laughs> are we are we human or are we dancers yeah yeah my, my favorite band the killers <laughs> yeah not my favorite band but well, i like them no it's already on record so it's your favorite band now oh record scratch <laughs> er? um yeah no i really enjoyed this film eight out of ten for me um cool might, might get bumped up eventually yeah this could be viewed again or if i read the book and i'm like wow this makes even more sense or i can have even deeper thoughts like yeah if you read the book and you hate it you'll appreciate the movie even more actually it's probably a win-win that i do this for the movie (laughs) yeah (laughs) um so i recommended a film yeah blade runner 2049 yeah one of my favorite movies of all time uh so i can give a summation of this do it uh this film takes place 30 years after the original uh, in terms of timeline, yes. it's in the title, Blade Runner 2049, directed by Denis Villeneuve, one of my favorite directors, um, and stars Ryan Gosling as Officer K, who Constant is K. who is uh, taking up the Blade Runner mantle and is a replicant hunting down Nexus 8s, uh, who are like older models who have a longer lifespan and he essentially stumbles upon uh, a set of bones that hurl him towards a mystery that he starts unsolving that have implications of who he is as a person and who he is uh, in terms of like his place in the world and like the implications of what happened of like the things that he found and like he finds a set of bones and he finds out that the bones were that of a replicants, but that replicant gave birth to a child. So then they find out that replicants can breed essentially procreate, procreate. There's a way to do it. And so he has to basically solve the mystery and he gets pulled a lot of different ways in this film. And, uh, yeah, it all unfolds in this, uh, awesome cyberpunk backdrop of new san francisco neo san fran yeah um so, so yeah i love this film. was the first one in san diego or no there's garbage pits are in san the this garbage one, pits are in san diego this one yeah, yeah i don't want to i'm just trying to think i thought the other one was in san fran too but i actually think that they they talked they said it wasn't was it las vegas or los angeles it might have been la i think it was la in the first one and then this one hits in uh uh san fran mm-hmm. beautiful anyways you were saying yes uh this film i think this is my fourth time watching it 
mm. total. Mm. And I'm always impressed with it every single time. Uh, oh, yeah. So when I first saw this in theaters, I asked my friend Tyler, I was like, hey, you want to go see the new Blade Runner? He's like, heck yeah. And then the movie finished, and I was like, that was awesome. He's like, yeah, that was good. I was like, have you seen the first one? He's like, nope. <laughs> I'm like, oh, <laughs> there's probably some things you might have missed. Yeah, yeah. Because this movie is very reliant on uh, the fact that you probably should have seen the first movie. Um, I think so. I think they do enough to kind of... Granted, because the first time I had seen it, mm-hmm. this one, I knew who Deckard was, but I didn't remember anything about Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. So, like, I just knew who Harrison Ford was. And I think if you have enough of that. Now, granted, I'm going to say this the more you know, the more richer the story is. Yes. Which plays into everything that I have now thought. The more you'll get out of it. Oh, uh, yeah. Sure. Um, but that, yeah, you're right. They do good. Uh, they do 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 a, good. Oh, you said do do. I, I said oh, he's a duty, <laughs> poopy. Um, uh, fart jokes. They do a good job of uh, like not catching you up to speed, but kind of like cluing you in yeah. on the situation without like making you feel like oh, I missed out on something. I think they keep like you're like a partner with them, mm-hmm. and it's not like oh, we're gonna explain this to Gosling. It's just gonna be assumed that, and then Gosling obviously has to do his own little inspection of it. Yep. But he's a smart skinwalker, yep. so he doesn't. Need, <laughs> we don't need to spend time with him trying to like piece it together for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a there's a lot I love about this film, like the themes, the visuals, the music, especially. Like oh, I think dude. I I like the music in this. Like not that the <coughs> music in the other one was bad. Right. But this one just elevates it so much for me. Like yeah. it really leans into that cyberpunk synthy, like just booming aspect of it. Yeah. Like I re- I really enjoy that. Um, I remember I watched this with uh, a couple of my friends and they had a sound bar and just oh. the music through the sound bar. Like that was probably my favorite experience watching this film, like hands down, uh, other than seeing it in the theater, of course. Right. Um, I can only imagine being in the theater having that mm-hmm. going on. That would have been awesome. Yeah, it it pretty much was. Uh, so yeah, I I don't know. I could talk about this movie a lot, but like, what what did you? Uh, think oh, do of you want to? I mean, so I, I'll I'll tell you what happened. No, uh-huh. okay. <laughs> this was kind of like I had egg on my face while watching this. <laughs> Once again, felt shame. Yeah. Um. So we had just had I just had Preston. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like it was like a happy birthday to your son, by the way. Oh yeah, hey P, happy birthday! Mm-hmm. So you never don't listen to this, or if you do, <laughs> I talked kindly of you. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. So we had I don't know when we we're at, but like when did it come out? Twenty seventeen. Well, I mean, like was it a October release, a G- December release? Do you remember? Let I don't know if you remember me. when you saw it. I feel like it was cold out when I saw it, so maybe like November. I thought it was later in 2017 as we were kind of heading into 2018 because I think I watched this in like February. Um, uh, October 6th. Okay, so I probably saw this in February because I saw it when it came out. It it got DVD release or Blu-ray, and I was like, oh, I'm going to rent this. Okay. And I was like exhausted, so I'm trying to watch it, and I will be the first to admit I didn't know Ryan Gosling was a replicant. So... I didn't that, know that going into it either. Yeah. Not, not into it at any point during the film. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> miss that boat. <laughs> That's a big one to miss. Mm-hmm. As I, as it got kicked off, it literally was like, you're a replicant. And he's like, yeah, no shit. You know, it was like him talking to Batista. And I was like, 
wow, that changes up a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, because to me, it was Gosling trying to find some baby that mm. apparently was going to be the Messiah. And like that's how I took the whole film. And I'm watching it, and I was like, this is way bigger than it needs to be. There's way too much shit going on. It doesn't need to be two hours and 45 minutes for him to find Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, like, and who the fuck cares? Like, the lady got killed and, you know, had sex with. And I was like, I don't even, I, I didn't know that it was an android that they were looking for. That mm. the baby was an android. Yeah. I thought it was just a kid. He just thought it was some kid. Yeah. So it was like, what are we doing here? Uh-huh. So now, after watching it, and I was like, oh, Harrison Ford definitely fucked Rachel, which once again like what's up with this these guys having sex with machines i mean <laughs> ex machina blade runner like there's well, a fascination there for I, sure it awakens something in people yeah <laughs> boy howdy yeah uh yeah so um all that was new that was refreshing it gave me a whole new perspective on what the fuck was going on mm. what jared leto's character was all about i had no idea i thought he was just some guy some business guy when i first <laughs> saw it that was just like yeah we just want to make more machines go find a machine yeah yeah you know i didn't know that there was an uprising i didn't know that there was different nexus models you know mm. and like yeah so whole new it was like i watched it the first time and it was fucking glorious yeah oh, dude yeah so good I, so good i can't believe i the first time i watched this i was like this is trash <laughs> like i literally watched it, i was like wow it's just a lot of bright colors and good production value like that's all it holds up yeah and there's a lot of substance to this film dude um there's dude. so much going on in terms of like the themes and stuff so uh, I took some notes like I did the other one. There we go. Um, so the first thing that comes to mind with this movie in terms of like themes relating to the first one is mm-hmm. they just take the next step in like the the villain role, I guess. So Jared Leto as Neander Wallace. Yes. Like Tyrell in the first movie, like I made the case that he was like a god who had imperfect vision. Like he had the trifocal glasses. Right. This one, they literally make him blind. And it's just the next step in, like, okay, this uh, Tyrell guy. Yeah. He definitely, like, wasn't a good dude, but he, you know, he was just, like, this corporate asshole. Neander Wallace has literally delusions of grandeur. Dude, he calls them angels. He literally is, like, He references the Bible constantly. Yeah, like, he is, like, it. They really maybe that might have been the heavy-handed part. Now that makes more sense as we kind of kind of look at that aspect of mm-hmm. it. But like he literally talks about making enough replicants to retake Eden. Yes, he like, says to that. storm Eden and retake. He calls her. them all angels. So, and angels should never go to heaven, or angels should never visit heaven. An angel should never visit the kingdom of heaven without a gift. Yes. How can you not pronounce a child is born? And it's like, holy shit, this guy is so fucking delusional. Yeah. That he literally thinks he's God. Well, he did create synthetic animals, synthetic everything. So he, like he redid the whole world. He, what, he saved the world from a famine. What they basically. don't talk about in um uh uh Dreaming of Electric Sheeps mm-hmm. um is that there was a like a nuclear holocaust. There was radiation. So like that we were on the precipice of like uh synthetic droid like synthetic humans taking over the world mm-hmm. you know and that you were struggling with i mean that backdrop that our evolution was out and the next evolution was coming in so he, wallace comes in here and saves essentially the human population but he also needs the help of all these things that he can create to even expand his kingdom mm-hmm. if you will 
Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I just love him as a character, and I think I did too. I think uh, <laughs> casting Jared Leto is uh, almost perfect because he yeah. already kind of has a huge ego. He's already got his head that far up his ass. Exactly. That they were like, hey, Jared, just play Jared. Yeah, just be yourself. Like, What angel are you coming into my trailer? The thing is, he's always method acting as Neander Wallace. So it already fits. They <laughs> yeah, just built good. the character around him. They just fucking made, you know, just put the things on his eyes and make, you know, that mm-hmm. was about it. Just wear these contacts. You're good. Yeah, absolutely. That was the only costume design they had. <laughs> And then, uh, you know, as far as themes go, there's the whole uh, Ryan Gosling being a replicant. And uh, this this movie hammers home more so than I think the original of, like, the notion of being special. Because I noticed that uh, in times when Ryan Gosling's character would not, he would, like, kind of be downtrodden or, like, not feel special in any way. Yeah. It would be raining, which kind of harkens back to Roy Batty's speech that he has at the end of the first film that says all these moments in time will be lost like tears in rain. Yep. Rain all looks the same. Rain meshes together. It, it gets mixed up and it gets lost in itself. Right. Where in those scenes, that's very much how Officer K, Joe, or however you want to call him, is feeling. And then I noticed that in moments of triumph and optimism, it would be snowing. Uh, oh. At least in scenes that he was in, like towards the end or like yeah. when he goes and visits the um, the memory chick. Uh, who at the end of the movie turns out to be who he's looking for. Yes. Because uh, the entire time he thinks it's himself. Yeah. So while he thinks it's himself, uh, there's this aspect of like, oh shit, this is like really heavy stuff. I'm like... In, I'm the messiah. I'm in danger. Like, well, it, it, it more so makes him feel special. It makes him feel like his life has purpose. And uh, because, you know, his girlfriend isn't real. She's like this... Okay, artificial so AI thing, which is also in itself another implication no, that you have to talk about. Well, yeah, no, I was just gonna say, like, I, I'm still kind of. That's why I get lost on the machine thing. Is like, mm-hmm. how does he develop that? Like, what's that process of feeling of that? Like, how does so he's a Nexus Eight, mm-hmm. right? Like, they still aren't human. They're getting closer to being humans. It's never reflected, and then all of a sudden, like, that was the only thing I really was like. Kind of upset about. Well, I think they purposefully make his character kind of stoic at first because you find out he's a replicant like right away. Right. And but then how does the experience grow if he's a machine? Uh, I mean, you see it in the movie, right? Like, no, but I'm. That's what I'm saying, though. You see it, but how? As in the movie, does how do computers process that to to feel that to garner like he would feel happy? Mm-hmm. Like I thought about it because of the sex scene. I was like, oh yeah. yeah, like he's having sex with a human, and I was like, but what? What does it matter? He's a machine. Like it doesn't. It does. It shouldn't. It doesn't have any more significance whether it's with her or not with her. He doesn't know the difference, anyways. He's only got as much processing power or whatever he can compute as was given to him. Or was there like an evolutionary code that's put in that these guys can process more? Because like in order to feel special, right, it have to be there in the beginning because you wouldn't know what that feeling was until you actually understood what you were feeling yeah so that's where i was like that's the problem i had with the synthetic nature of all these things and it's like well i think those are the questions that you're kind of forced to like ask yourself too like that's kind of the point of what the movie wants you to think about yeah it's not a good or bad thing i'm Mm -hmm. just saying like at what point do we have to suspend this wave is because they can procreate yeah well, that's just another like question that they pose 
It's like, oh, these things can procreate. Like, does that, in your eyes, make them more human? Or did you already think they were more human? Or does it still not, like, count for you? Like, That's what I'm saying. All right. mm -hmm. The question, so, I'm not, yeah. So, they can procreate, but, like, and they were given that capability of doing it. But that doesn't mean the next one can do it, right? Yeah. So, the thing in this movie is that, like, they find out Rachel and Harrison Ford had a kid. Right. So then they're trying to figure out like where the kid is because they think they can use that kid to carry on that sort of aspect in the next generation of replicants because they like Neander walls says like, I can only make so much. Uh, There's an empty space here. And he like touches the replicants womb essentially. Yeah. And so they still like haven't figured out like the, the whole like, like Tyrell did it like a one and done. Like he got, he made Rachel died, and then they like Neanderwals wasn't able to like replicate that at all because of the blackout. Because of yeah, the blackout, and so he's been trying to do that for however long, and then he finds out, oh shit, there's a chance that I can have this, like get that again. So it is like a super like, it is something that they haven't figured out yet, and it's very rare. So that's why they want to get the kid the entire time. It's because mm-hmm. Wallace wants to make that army and storm Eden and retake her. Yeah. Basically, like, become this megalomaniac, essentially. Um, but, yeah, hopefully that answered your <laughs> No, your no, I'm just saying. I'm Like, I don't, I, no, because I, I, my, my issue with some of the stuff was just, like, is it the argument that machines can grow or can develop feelings? Or are we saying that we're synthetic and we're devoid of all emotion that even humans can't recognize the differences between us and machines? I think it's I think the argument is that they're interchangeable. So like replicants can have more empathy than a 100% human being. And but that's but it's not I wouldn't say more it would be the same, right? Cuz they unless the new Nexus models had the capability of developing empathy cuz that was the whole problem in the first one. Is that how you that's how you knew that they weren't they were machines? It's cuz they had zero empathy. That's what I'm saying. Like so like the Nexus 6s, right? Mm-hmm. Zero empathy. Did the sevens come out? Like the only thing I know that happened with the seven now is that it could procreate because there was only one of them. But then the eights came out. That's the Sapper Morton. Those are your uh, revolutionary machines, right? That, yeah. that was like a next thing too was like, oh shit, they're actually comprehending like government and imperial are, you know, being used for slaves. Mm-hmm. So they developed the, the freedom fighter mentality, right? At the end of the film when he was talking, that's, a, that's the eights. My question is, at what point in between 7 and 8, because they don't really tell you that they developed the capability of thinking or understanding or getting more, um, under, like, not being devoid of emotion. That's what I'm, because, like, if you, t- like, when Rachel was told she was special, she didn't understand it in Blade Runner. Mm. Remember? Like, when he was like, you're different, because you got the memories, because they don't really say if the Nexus 6s can get memories or not. Right. So, like, when they were like, you have the capability of memory now. You know, that was kind of like a next big step of maybe we'll, you know, but she was only one and she didn't even feel special when she understood it. She actually felt upset about it. Mm. But she, I don't know. It's like, did, did she really? I mean, she's a machine. So right. that's where, I, like, the whole Gosling thing was kind of like, I, I was on board. I Obviously, he's going through all this stuff. And mm. it's like, man, you are really making this dude kind of feel like, hey, guys, I'm it. Mm. But at the same token, like, does he have that capability of understanding that feeling? Right. Do you think he could bear, like, felt the weight, the bear of the weight on his back, being like, all right, I gotta, like, I'm here to, 
like you know, like it was his responsibility to save his people save the replicants like, i think you think he understood that and was like that's why it was weighing on him i think it was um yeah i might have been partially that but i think to me it was more so like him just dealing with it personally like just on a on an individual level because like his whole life he's just been like this blade runner who like goes around and like hunts people down and like he lives like this really bland life and then all of a sudden he's met with this notion See, that like oh making shit him a human in that aspect exactly yeah and he's making himself a human and kind of like does he have that a- capability of doing it that's what i'm saying doesn't it give you a whole new perspective of that's not it mm. yes i think i think i know what you're getting at I'm still a little confused. Well, no, because the <laughs> aspect... Oh, well, I'm saying... Because I'm looking at it as both. I'm looking mm-hmm. at it as if he were human and he did have that capability. I think, like, 100%. You're looking at the mundane of his life and it's actually like, oh, man, like, I finally got out of the 9 to 5 work. I'm not a factory worker. Mm. I'm actually doing something for someone. And that's where he feels special. My... What I'm saying is that if he doesn't have that, if he doesn't care, because he was popped out of a, you know, whatever, mm. and they, he was a model... So he fell out of that thing that you saw Wallace. Yeah. They put a hat on him, said, you're a blade runner. <laughs> so he didn't grow up or anything. I mean, he just, all those memories he has are from someone else, mm-hmm. you know? So at that point, I mean, if he's actually doing something important, I mean, you know, is it a little bit, it's not the understanding that it's impacting his life, but he's actually impacting someone else's life or a, 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 a cause greater than himself. Yeah. Because I think what you're saying is in, like, internally, he is growing as a person or yes. as a machine. Mm-hmm. Where I'm saying, like, outwardly, he's he's understanding that he's got a greater cause other than himself. That's a sacrifice that you might see. Yeah, and that's kind of what you see at the end too. Yeah, um, where he saves Deckard and yeah helps helps him meet his daughter. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a yeah there's so much going on in this movie. <laughs> there's a lot, dude. There's I mean, it was in, yeah. Um, I I just love the. Uh, like I said, the aesthetic of it, the whole like themes going on. Uh, what about what did you think of uh, Joy? Like, what did you think of like the implications with her? I liked her. Mm. I didn't. Well, it was a confusing relationship, and I think that they intended it to be that way. Because mm. like now you've introduced a third set of AI. Yeah, now you've got this other layer that you have to think about besides the replicants. Yeah, and does she understand his emotional status? Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, is it actually her having some sort of autonomy, or is it just how she's programmed? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And understanding, yeah, his... <laughs> I was thinking about that a lot more with this watch than I did before. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. It, I thought it was interesting, because as soon as they pop around, it's like, oh, of course, I got... Because I now know Gosling's a fucking replicant, because I'm not an idiot. <laughs> <Yeah>. Thanks, Mac. <laughs> um, <laughs> and i'm like oh wow like this is kind of interesting you know here you go because mm-hmm. it's like almost like the same thing that was going on with rachel and deckard if you think he was a replicant right but there's two replicants so now here you go you've taken one step even further back the replicants are now falling in love with holograms they're not even physical yeah yeah <laughs> and it's like yeah. ones and zeros she calls herself in that like, scene well, what did she because she did but she said you're filled up with like numbers are she said something along the lines of like you have like your memories or something goes back you're filled up with this and i'm yeah ones and zeros you and know he, yeah and he goes uh uh the two numbers but twice as bright or something like yeah. that yeah well he was always i liked their relationship was, i thought yeah, it, was it was charming good. and it was like, sweet yeah mm-hmm. and it was what he needed yeah it absolutely was like 
and it, I do think that there are moments like that make me lean towards like her having autonomy instead of like being yes. somebody who is just there like programmed to like make him happy because because yeah. she she suggests to uh, put herself on the like mo- little mobile stick that he has that he gets her for oh, their she did anniversary. That? Yeah, she did. She's like, you have to put me on here, otherwise they're going to find me and they're gonna you know find out where you are oh so oh, yeah so then because uh, like he's hesitant at first and then she said you know she impl- like presses on the importance of it yes and then he take me with you and then he goes and does it like yeah take me with you yeah and then she says it's as if i'm a real girlfriend it makes you wonder because she's a machine and can they grow i mean are they learning that much more mm-hmm. it's, that, that, it's crazy it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. It's I, crazy. I fucking love it so much. It was really, dude, like hundred, <laughs> like a hundred million times better watching this. Like I threw mm. it on at, we were going to bed and I threw it on at like 10, 10 30. I was like, I'm not going to be able to, hopefully I'll fall asleep. And then all of a sudden it's like 1230. I was like, I'm going to, I'll watch the last hour tomorrow. Cause I could definitely watch this tonight, but like, I don't want to be dozing in and out. Mm. Uh, yeah, no, between that, um, sort of the red herrings that they provide you, you know, this whole, you know, trying to find out who the child is. Yes. You know, that mm-hmm. whole aspect of it, love, um, which is probably like a fucking really ironic name. Mm-hmm. You know, super ironic. <laughs> Man, yeah, let's talk about her for a second. So her character is seen like tearing up and crying like throughout like different parts of the film mm-hmm. like not like a you know like ugly face cry sort of thing but just like tears falling out of her face um <laughs> at a parker household after once brothers cry but you know something. yeah not not necessarily that deep um i always like i always thought it was more so like because on previous watches i thought oh she has emotions too yeah. and she's like processing like these different sorts of things and like blah 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 this viewing I took it more as like she's so messed up and confused about who she is that she doesn't know how to react in certain situations. And she's so like mentally gone that like emotions are just a confusing thing. And like she doesn't know which proper emotions to use. And so like to me, the tears kind of felt like almost like crocodile tears in a way. Uh And then like towards the end when she's like being drowned essentially by Ryan Gosling. I saw that as more of like she could be totally crying right now and it wouldn't matter because she's underwater and you can't see it. Kind of like tears tears and rain right. sort of thing. You kept up the theme. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how I viewed that and I thought it was a really compelling way to like look at that. See, there you go. Perspectives all around. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm still like how the fuck are they programming emotions in these things? <laughs> right. <laughs> like I just view them as synthetic, you know, and maybe that makes me the problem. I don't know. Are you a replicant? No, I can. Do obviously... I need to void comp test you? <laughs> you see a turtle in the you desert on its back. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do? Why am I looking at a turtle? Why am I? Why am I in the desert? Yeah. <laughs> Leon in the first one. Um. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I. That's what I'm saying. Like, I. I. There are these times in which you're like, oh shit, they're growing more as in human evolution you know Mm -hmm. and it's like are we i guess maybe that's the beauty of not explaining the nature of the 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 android or the replicant yeah i think that's honestly like where i have to probably find solace Mm -hmm. in all of this is that we just have to accept them as they're going through the evolutionary chain though Mm -hmm. which is what makes it a little 
Yeah, they're more able startling. To reproduce and yeah. have all these biological things going on. Yeah. Um, there is uh, there is something that I kind of wanted to bring up too. A little fun fact. I might have mentioned this before, but okay. so Denis Villeneuve, he did not want uh, Harrison Ford to be like on the marketing at all. Like he didn't want him to be in the trailer. He didn't want him to be in the poster. He wanted people to go into the movie and be like surprised by yeah. his appearance. But the studio, like Sony, forced him to put Harrison Ford on the poster, put his name on there and in the trailer because they thought, oh, nobody's going to see this movie if they don't know that Harrison Ford's in it. So there is that's a whole can of worms right there. I would, I honestly, I think I would agree with Sony. Just from a marketing perspective? Because, I, I mean, I don't think about it. I mean, like... You have so many like that a demographic that you have the call like you have the following. You mm. know they're gonna see it regardless, right? Yeah. Then you might capture what the guys, white males in their forties when this came out, fifties. <laughs> yeah. Like it came out in eighty two and they re released it thirty five years after. So like if a guy was let's say sixteen when he saw Blade Runner and loved it, mm. that puts him at fifty one. That's not your target audience. So no. <laughs> if no one had heard of Blade Runner at that time, like if you hadn't watched it or talked about it, you might have just been like, "Oh man, that's like a sick because of Neo San Fran," mm-hmm. right? Like there are there are, is something that gravitates you toward it. Yeah. But I think in terms of being able to capture some of the market, mm-hmm. you're gonna you'd have to have Harrison Ford on it because and and not to say that he would pull you in it, but at least you know that it's not a remake. Yeah. Or that you know that there are creative liberties being taken, but they still kind of coincide with the first. Yeah, one. Yeah, it's connected to the first one. I can see that point of view. I just think it would have been really cool if a hundred percent. Well, yeah, if you're would have been surprised hard. by it. Yeah, yeah. Like I was gonna say, like if, like after watching it, then I was like, oh shit! Like I wish I didn't know. Yeah, hundred mm-hmm. percent. But like in terms of like, I don't even think they hadn't they had anticipation of making a sequel to this one. Mm-hmm. They wanted to come out, and it did so poorly in the box office that um, they had to, they had to can the sequel. Yeah, it had a huge budget, like 150 to 185 million, mm-hmm. and it says it made like 259 million at the box office. Which right. you you hear that number, and it's you know. Oh, look at that's, the ROI. Yeah, yeah. Look at the look at all like they're, the marketing costs and like the different like. All sorts of like things that have to go into like the cost of the movie. Like it, it was a failure. Let's just say they hit budget on it, and they, like let's say it did cost one hundred eighty-five. They only made eighty million on it. Yeah, they probably had a forecast of making like three hundred million. Mm-hmm. I mean, like that's how that stuff works, and that's what gets you the next paycheck. So I mean, and, and I don't think it was anything that Dennis Villeneuve did, <laughs> but like I think they they probably did the right aspects with the marketing. It's just it's a Dude, it's a super like sci-fi's out there. It's also yeah, I was gonna say it's a high concept (laughs) science fiction movie that is almost three hours long. Hey, we created synthetic animals and there's guys fucking robots and they gotta (laughs) hunt each other. Like, and there's gonna be element like themes of religion Mm -hmm. and fucking slavery and you know like Mm. who are we? (laughs) Like, I could see, I could also see too, like people going to this movie and watching it expecting like kind of like this oh it's like going to be this high action sort of like thrill ride the entire time and then 
ultimately what they get disappoints them and then they tell their friends like oh this movie was dumb i so when i was watching this and i i'm telling you right now like this film's fantastic mm. like this is a fucking like so happy we did this because <laughs> i don't think i'd ever watch it again if you didn't recommend it like it's been like one of those things i look at i'm like oh boy oh this is gonna be a chore um but i'm like man production companies really don't know how to market the noir films no i'm pretty sure like there's now been three films that i've seen that 100 percent missed mm-hmm. and i don't remember like batman comes to mind missed the trailers for this missed mm-hmm. um you know like some of the like the, the there's a lot more um plot driven elements to it than you know just mindless action and yeah. these studios because i think people they're gonna get the 17 18 year old college kids on top of the ones that really care the fans mm. into the seats and they 100 percent miss it yeah and then no one says hey go check this out it's a great film they walk away after i did with dune one and fucking say it's shit and it's probably good i don't know i'm so confused uh, it's yeah the well yeah definitely um it, it's one of those things that not even just like mismarking but like people just have different expectations of like what films are when they go into them they watch a trailer they see like all these different things <laughs> they have like they have this image of the movie in their mind and they already have it set up for themselves yes so then when they do go and see it it's impossible for the film no matter what it does to meet the expectations of someone who <laughs> is going to see it and is hyped up for it. Well, I'm not going to see... Most of the time. I I was about to say, I've heard that, but The Northman, pretty much what I thought. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I saw the trailer. I watched The Northman. I was like, maybe a couple more battle scenes, but I was like, other than that, I mean, that pretty much nailed it on the head. Like, I had, you know, I Revenge Story. Yeah. uh, Very intimate, right? Mm -hmm. Beautifully shot. All right. Shitty accents. Uh, Sorry. Scared, scared. Um, (laughs) And, you know... uh, just in the elements of it, the music, and I and it was more authentic than what I thought. So you can do it. I think what it is is that they try to fucking trick you, mm-hmm. and they say this is what it's going to be, and then all of a sudden they lured you in, and it's three hours of nothing you were ready for. That was uh, that was kind of me with the Green Knight. My friends and I were really excited for that movie, right? And the way that it was marketed. You could tell that it was more of like a kind of like an indie artsy sort of thing, but mm-hmm. essentially, like we expected it to be like this medieval adventure tale. Yes, with like all these different like twists and turns and like this Fighting hero's profit, journey. Yeah, going and finding you know the the sword in the lake and, and Merlin and all that shit. And then yeah, what? instead it 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 was something that like I just could not connect with because it felt so like detached and just something that. I, I really couldn't like get invested in, especially given the fact that I was expecting something different. I'm telling you, mm-hmm. it, that's it. And I think the other issue is that fucking trailers used to be 30 seconds, and mm-hmm. now they're three and a half minutes. Yeah, now we've got. Well, not only that, but we've got like a shit ton of like trailer stuff. We've got like the teaser, which is like a minute and a half long. Then we've got trailer one, trailer two. Yeah, then the two. final trailer. Right. And then they release like a five minute scene of the film like a week before it comes out. There's like all these different like marketing things now than I, and there I, used to be. And yeah, I I I disagree. And I think 
I, I'm not going to actually disagree with Sony on it because I think that they needed to put Harrison Ford on it to kind of because that's what drew me in on it. Like I said, I think mm. I said that, but that was how I knew it was like, oh, it's connected. That's Decker. Like, don't remember anything, obviously, <laughs> from fucking Blade Runner. But I was like, I'll watch this one because he's in it. Mm. Uh, yeah. Uh, other than that, though, no, it was mismarketed when it came out in seventh because I was like, oh, man, like, like a Neo Tokyo, because everything is Neo Tokyo to me, but like, you know, Neo Tokyo, and this guy's going around fucking hunting down, and they, they're they going to do what they couldn't do in 82. Mm. You know? Not the case. No. And it's very good that it wasn't. And yeah, I'm glad too. It's a very personal, heavy implication kind of story. Yeah. And I, I feel like I gain something from it every time I watch it. I could, yes, absolutely see that. Mm-hmm. Um, the the visuals i feel like denis villeneuve is always super strong with the visuals mm-hmm. in this in the, any movie that he makes like whether it be like even like his realistic films i think are like visually stunning like sicario prisoners oh, yeah. uh and then you get in like to his sci-fi stuff and he just knocks it out of the park like these movies are gonna age really well in 20 I would, years i would have to think so mm-hmm. and i feel like there's a lot of like there, he probably did like a lot of miniature work too in this, like kind of akin to what Ridley Scott did. Maybe not as much, sure, because like CGI and advancement of technology has like gotten so far to where like we don't have to rely on it like as much any like the practical. I'm sure stuff. he did a little bit, but I mean he mm. <clears throat> he's so flawless with what he does. He knows how to he knows how to make great visuals. I mean, and, dude, it's seamless. Mm-hmm. It's seamless. I mean, to be to stand to be in here and the one <laughs> So they're standing in there and there's just this orange over mm-hmm. the hole. And you don't know if it they're underneath Las Vegas, because Las Vegas was coated in an orange. You're not exactly sure. But then there's these waves, and you can tell it's the way the rippling from the waves in the sun. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching, I was like, God, this is so gorgeous. And I was like, I wonder where they shot that at. I wonder where they and then I'm just like no, you're a fucking moron. Like, they just impose, like, that's just CGI right there. Like, what are you talking about? Shot that at. And then I was like, well, no, I could definitely see that being shot somewhere. Yeah. Like, that's how fluid it is. Mm-hmm. Pardon the pun. But, you know, like. Absolutely. Like, it's, it, he does such a, I don't, is there any point in this thing where you were, like, taking out and you were like, oh, definitely a movie? There, I, as far as, like, visual effects go, there right. was an instance where I could tell it was a visual. Oh, effect. here we go. Kyle's gotta find the one. No, it was it was the scene when he crashes when he's at the oh in the dump yard in or, the dump yard. Is that in San Diego? That's when he gets to Las Vegas, right? That was before that. It's when he goes to the orphanage. That's um, what it was, the orphanage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's when uh, he gets shot down and like his flying car crashes. Like I just noticed that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a CGI car, and I could tell that it wasn't like as polished as like a lot of the other stuff in this film right literally the only instance in this movie where i was like oh yeah that's that's cgi yeah but if that's the only instance in this movie then that's a testament to how gorgeous and good looking this movie is every other time yeah Mm -hmm. and now it this is like on my fourth watch too like it wasn't even something i noticed the first second or third time no 100 percent. i mean i i I mean, I kind of live in that world, so I wasn't like really looking for it. I was just kind of curious because in in twenty and and Blade Runner, there are times when it's like, oh, definitely a movie. They, they had a grittiness and the the noir aspect of it, you know, mm-hmm. and the neo side of it. But there are times that you were like, all right, definitely, you know, not in this world. But in this one, I I really can't remember a time I was like, don't buy it. Yeah, 
there was I feel like I felt this way the first time and it's been kind of consistent throughout each watch Mm -hmm. but the whole notion of like the rebellion and when he finds out that was so stupid I got I actually got really upset at that point Uh, one because I didn't know why they were just putting it in it felt kind of shoehorned right yeah I I was like literally it's happening and we already know that there's a girl Mm -hmm. right no 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 we don't know at that point because the rebellion leader tells her tells Gosling she escaped and that's when he goes like she she what do you mean she Mm -hmm. and And then then, they explain it while they're before they're leading up to that i'm like what is this setting up a whole nother and i think honestly what it was is like the next like supposed to be that sequel like Mm. they would have like he might have survived it and then the rebellion would have happened and then it would have been maybe a john connor scenario yeah you know or something so i don't know but no when i was watching it I, i first was like We've got another side plot coming up. Yeah, there's like a whole other thing that Ryan Gosling's character is getting pulled towards now. Yeah, I was like like at two hours and 35 minutes into the film because I knew it was at the end. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I was like, this, I'm not buying this. And then they kind of save it, save face with like her just having the information. Yeah, that's all her purpose was. Turns out to be maybe, well, we say that. we If they would have came out with another film, it could have been different. Right. you know, it just turned. It just ended up being like a side faction, exactly. which isn't like that big of a deal. But it, I did not like that they had to do it that way. Yeah, me neither. Like they all come out and they're all like standing there from the shadows, and like it's this whole like revelation sort of thing. Yeah, and then it just doesn't really matter. Nothing after. whatsoever. She's literally just there to drop that news on him, and mm-hmm. I'm like, maybe we could have got this somewhere else. Yeah. It felt a little heavy-handed for me. It's a freedom fucking fighter. Like of <laughs> yeah. all the androids, all the Nexus Eights, and Sapper Morton was part of us. And mm-hmm. like, I'm like, wow, this is really attaching a lot of things that have happened in this film already. Yep. At a really kind of awkward time. Because if I hadn't seen it before, and this one I actually remembered a little bit more than than um, Blade Runner. Uh-huh. I would have been like where are we going with this yeah like i kind of knew that it that didn't do anything so i really wasn't but like if i had watched it on the first time it would have been like why yeah hold up this doesn't feel as cohesive as yeah. everything else and I, de- I definitely still feel that way 100 percent. it's just a it's it, it yeah i don't know i wish i could have found somewhere else to give them that information but say lovey say lovey um was there anything else you wanted to touch on with this um any other thing you wanted to bring up before we wrap it up no i don't i i i don't no okay do you want to get into ratings with this one yes absolutely um i give this a 10 out of 10 whoa baby i love this film yes this is a this is a movie that if it was a person I would propose to. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. Say no. Is this number one all time? No, number one all time for me is The Hunt with Mads Mikkelsen. Wow. Uh, at least right now that could change, but this is definitely top five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This got this got bumped up. I went from a, uh, and it's funny too because I think I, I look at this stuff and I'm like IMDb really influences me. Mm-hmm. I think on my ratings because. Having remembered this, this would have been a... I thought Blade Runner was a six, and this was a seven. Yeah. 
But Blade Runner was a seven, and this was an eight, bumped up to a nine. Hell yes. Dude, really, I don't think it's got 10 worthiness, but a nine in my book is a very solid, like, I could probably throw this on again, and now having seen it, I would enjoy the fuck out of it. Like, having it on in the background. Mm. There are some movies you have like that where you're like, I mean, I've seen this a lot, but I would just love to see the moments or things that are happening. And, and, and this would definitely be one if I was kind of itching for like a little bit of a noir or to take more in because mm-hmm. it goes down so smooth. It's so easy. It's it's very there's a couple of red herrings and it keeps you on the edge of your toes, but nothing that's like outlandish. Yeah. You know, well, besides him being a robot and we still don't know if he can feel or not. <laughs> um no, I mean that's about it. Now, I mean, I guess like the only thing looking back on it is him having to have sex with an actual human mm. to feel like he was having sex with that hologram. Like I don't. Yeah, uh, the the Ooh. whole air quotes threesome scene. <laughs> yeah, like I don't. I just now like I didn't even like at the time. I was like, oh, that's nice. Like that's a gentle way of you know, like hey, cool. Like mm. they're kind of it's just maybe symbolic of them kind of. Yeah, um, like know, cementing it as a yeah, real relationship. Yeah, 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 yeah. But now I'm like thinking, I'm like, uh, I don't know what that thing was fucking planning. <laughs> uh, time for another rewatch. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyways, yeah, nine. This is a nine out of ten, but I mean, solid nine. I mean, I really, really, really enjoyed this, and I'm glad we threw it, like you had me watch it, because it's sort of been homework, and... Dude, it went down so smooth. I can't. I really can't. I can't not toot its horn. It was a great. It was. It was awesome. Excellent. Yes. Uh, I. I picked a winner. Hell yes. Yeah. Uh, speaking of picking a winner, you get to make a film pick. But you said. Uh, you said that you. Uh, we news. might have a. We might have a little bit of a development. Yes. So I think we got. We got news. So. Um, my people have been reaching out to other people that are reaching out to people, dealing with middlemen, contracts, uh, talks. Um, Jibber jabber. Yep. You know how it goes. Uh, pod life. Uh, I think my brother's going to, wants to hop in. Hey. So uh, Samuel, Samuel Parker is going to come on down. Uh, we're going to try to get this thing set up to get him on the show. And um, we're looking at two films. One, I have already. Okay. And. I'll tell you right now. Sam 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 did a great job explaining this to me. Okay. So the first one is the beginning uh ep one on YouTube. It's about the filming of the Phantom Menace of Star Wars. Okay. So I told him, I said, Kyle hasn't seen Star Wars. <laughs> and he goes, perfect. Because I want someone that has no idea what's going on to watch the filmmaking process of this, okay, and tell me like you know is this like san is it sanity is it real is this good bad like he doesn't know because he knows what happened with the Phantom Menace as mm. I do as do I, but you don't, mm. so you're gonna be able to have that like this is how I saw it versus how we saw it because okay yeah so should I should I just watch this? The beginning yes. of one I would and not Phantom Menace. Yeah, I would say just do this one. Okay. And then, like, if it turns into, like, you, like we talk about this, this could be something I'd recommend, too. Because I haven't seen, I threw the Phantom Menace on, like, when I had Preston a couple weeks ago. Mm. I watched, like, a quarter of it, and I was like, I can't deal with this shit. <laughs> <laughs> so it, I think it might be a fun one to actually have us after you watch this and, like, have this discussion. Because I haven't seen this thing either. And okay. Sam says he watches it, like, once every, like, two weeks. So Oh, Jesus. Well, I don't know if it's that much. Okay. Um, and then I've the, never I've never been 
specifically told for the podcast not to watch a movie before. So it's, that's interesting. Well, and I told Sam, I was like, dude, he hasn't seen any of the Star Wars stuff. I don't know if this will go over well because we're not going to all have to have like this like rib fest or whatever. And I don't know what I'm stepping into either. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be new for me as well. He's the only one that's seen it, so he's got an idea. But he's like, no, 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 it's going to be perfect because I need to know because I have seen Phantom Menace, like what this is like. Mm. And you want to see that if I had not seen it, what would that movie after watching the making of, what would that, what would it mean to you? Mm-hmm. Which actually, that's why I'm excited too, because if it goes well, then it's like, all right, we've got to watch Phantom Menace yeah. and talk about that if this one goes well. So yes, um, we're going to do that. And then because it's him, I was like, we can do another one. Mm-hmm. We have, I have a couple options for it. We can discuss off air. Okay. So. We, yeah, we can figure that out, and then uh, we'll we'll make something of it later. Yeah. Uh, excellent. Yeah, so there we go. There you guys go. I'm excited. We're going to have the, the Parker brothers on at the, at the same time. We will not talk football. Okay. I will take your word on that. <laughs> you talk football. I'm getting the spray bottle out. Yeah. Let's put ammonium in it and spray it at him. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh we appreciate you guys. Uh, so if you guys don't want to, uh, if you want to feel like a part of the conversation, watch the beginning, Ep 1, on YouTube. Yes. It's a behind-the-scenes Star Wars uh, thing for Episode 1, The Phantom Menace. So if you want to get into the groove of that, check that out before Episode 20. Uh, thank you guys again for listening. You can find us on Spotify and on YouTube and on Apple Podcasts. Hey, I saw that. We got one rating. Yes. Well, uh, we had one rating. Oh, it got taken off? No, it, we just had more. Oh, we do have more? Yes. Is it still one star? No, thank God. Uh, <laughs> well, I, s- <laughs> so, I saw that and I was like, I didn't even think about the one star. I was like, a boy, Kyle got it on there. Like, all right. And then I got really <laughs> curious. I was like, who the fuck would give us like, I was like, come on, man. Like, who you, I didn't even know you I'm I'm a fucking co-host. I didn't even know you put it on there. So, okay, here's what happened though. Oh, you did it. What uh yes and no. So <laughs> Okay. How I upload the episodes to Spotify, I go through this website called Anchor, which is owned by Spotify. Right. And that allows me to put the episode and like upload it and like put the picture on there and everything and then it sends it to Spotify. What I was told and what I didn't know if I was doing it right was it sends it to other websites too. Okay. So not only does it send it to Spotify, it sends it to Apple Podcasts. It sends it to like a, a couple other different avenues, like another website that I can't think of what the name is right now. But so I thought that I wasn't doing it right and it was only going on Spotify. And then I would upload it separately as a video format to YouTube. Mm-hmm. And then. It's like every once in a while, I'll do like a Google search of the Neon Crew podcast just to see like where we're popping up at. And then I saw uh, Apple podcast website come up with our name. And so I clicked on it and it has every single episode that we've done so far. Oh, nice. And I was like, oh, shit, that's sweet. And then I scroll down and we have one rating, a one star. Yeah. (laughs) Which makes our overall rating at that time a a one. one. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like a little crestfallen as the end of (laughs) wow as the end of philip k dick's novel would say but 
so I, I saw that and I was like, "Oh, that's kind of fucking funny." <laughs> so I had a good laugh about that too. I really did. And I was like, "Oh, I wanted to see." I was like, "Did it?" Well, I really wanted to see a review on it, kind of as like feedback of like. Yeah, I wanted to see if they wrote anything. But same here. They didn't. They like, just gave us a one. I, it doesn't even tell me like who rated it. I know. I went on there. Well, it's not like I, was gonna, I, mean, I just wanted to see a review. Like there I wasn't even, anything. It was yeah. Just like, I even logged into like Apple Apple Podcasts and like made an account just to see if I could find anything and I, yeah. I couldn't. Um, but since I posted it on Facebook, uh, it's gone up. So oh nice. We went from a one to a four point two. Oh nice. So we're uh, we're making it, baby. Well, I was about to say I know there's a couple couple uh, friends that listen to us on on, on Spotify and, and they wanted it on Apple because it makes the transition. From podcasts that they have easier than getting out of a, you know, okay. out of Apple Podcasts and go into Spotify. Gotcha. So I was like, oh, that's really awesome that now we have that. It's it's almost uh, seamless. Yeah, seamless. And it was totally by accident. Like I didn't even know what was going on there. That's sick though. We got it on there. Yeah, so we check did. us out. If you <laughs> haven't listened, if you've already listened, listen to us on Apple now. And yeah. if you haven't listened at all, listen on Apple and Spotify and YouTube. All at the same time. Yeah. Play us everywhere. <laughs> really drive <laughs> drive drive that traffic. I also want to touch on one thing real quick. So Okay. Normally on YouTube we get I think like twenty, thirty, maybe forty views per episode. Really? That's pretty good. It's not bad. Yeah. Our last one, episode eighteen, got two hundred and forty seven views. Really? Mm-hmm. Hey, we should have talked about fucking everything more. I know. I think that's what the algorithm liked because I was able to go into the analytics and I saw that it was being suggested more than our other episodes. Hey, were. maybe like the Northman just... will fucking uh, generate some traffic. I'm, I'm hoping so. <laughs> if they get this far. So after every time we do a review now, if we do a popular film, we have to like plug us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Check us out at Apple Spotify in case. Maybe we should. Well, I don't know if we do that. Timestamp it. Oh, yeah. Timestamp uh, the. Well, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying people listen like you're like, hey, check us out. We got more stuff. If they just find us on YouTube. But anyways, yeah. that's not for you guys. That's important business matters. That's your guys' homework. Yes. Uh, you got to find us um, <laughs> after we tell you. So, uh, yeah, that's just kind of something i wanted to bring up i was pretty happy about that thank you guys we really appreciate it even though if there's only three of you that listen constantly Mm -hmm. anyone that if you've gotten this far we love you yeah but we not as much to get you a gift but enough to get you a hug or a a putanic hug Mm -hmm. maybe not a physical hug uh the type of hug that you like you only really embrace like the upper half of the person but like your lower half kind of sways yeah a little bit like it's kept at a distance yeah not a pat on the back like maybe like a like a like a good that was a good hug pat on the back too like a step up from a pat on the back yeah two pats solid hug Mm -hmm. uh cheeks not touching right um but this is for you guys absolutely the love that we have we love you uh thank you guys again for listening um you can find us on all those platforms that i named earlier and uh yeah mac what uh what do you have to say my friend? wwthd bye everyone